This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Greetings from Hamilton, folks. Welcome to another special Grey Cup edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Two days from the big game here in the Hammer. 110th Grey Cup, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in their fourth consecutive championship game taking on the Montreal Alouettes, and we are going to be all over it today. Um, looking forward to having Ted Wyman jump on the program with us. Um, we'll also break it down with former Marbles champion of just a couple weeks ago, Marshall Ferguson, who will be uh, jumping in the booth along with our pal Dustin Nielsen, who will have the radio call for the game. Of course, big weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. We're not certainly not forgetting about the hockey team. Ken Weeb's going to jump on and set up tonight's 7 o'clock tilt at Canada Life Centre against the Buffalo Sabres. I think Darren Bombie's going to jump on with us live here at uh, WSTHQ in Hamilton. We'll also have a quick visit with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton for the NFL Notebook, and we will get to a, a marble race on location today. So uh, going to be a good one. Lots for us to get to coming out of last night, CFL Awards. And holy smokes, I need an extra charger for my phone after some of the takes the feedback to our visit with DT yesterday on the program. Um, so listen, we'll get to all that right off the bat. Just before we do, though, uh, a big thanks to the uh, sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And, of course, this trip uh, ready to go and uh, allowing us to bring you coverage from the Grey Cup. Um, thanks to Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada. By the way, just finished a special lock shop or about the first 25 minutes, we went over a ton of Grey Cup props. We'll talk about those a little later on. And I do have a, a WST parlay ready to go for the big game on Sunday, which we'll touch on a little later on. Of course, our friends at Princess Auto, uh, Modern Man Barber Shops, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Make sure to stock up for the holidays and your big Grey Cup party. Um, the Winnipeg Jets back-to-back games this weekend, Friday night against the Buffalo Sabres and tomorrow against the Arizona Coyotes. Vita Health Fresh Market. Don't forget, go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest and get your name in to uh, get a marble in our big race on the uh, final day of Men's Health Month, November 30th, where we'll be giving away that beautiful autographed Trevor Linden jersey as well as the full package of the Prairie Naturals line of supplements. Uh, our friends at Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, big Black Friday sale coming next week. And, of course, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, your Grey Cup headquarters back in Winnipeg, the Great Taste of Little Brown Jug, and, of course, our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ. All right, let's do this, and uh, let's welcome in Michael Rivas to the program. Remo, what's going on? By the way... Shout out to Reem. I was doing the lock shop. He went to grab something to eat and just brought me back one of the most glorious sandwiches I've ever had. Shout out to the Big Rudy at Denninger's, a, a great way to get into the program. What's up? Yeah, Thanks ni- again for that great sandwich. Yeah, nice Hamilton uh, establishment. There it is. We got the water. Shout out to Denninger's. There, yeah. Darren said, I don't know if that was the place Darren was telling you. Yeah, there's a nice uh, grocery store, deli. They had some schnitzel so he said he got served by cam talbot's mom yeah that's what he's yeah we'll have to ask him <laughs> we'll have to ask him after but i i enjoyed it i thought it was pretty good but it wasn't you know this most standard thing so i was wasn't didn't want to get you the wrong thing but i'm glad that i succeeded i had to get lunch 
know, while you're doing lock shop. Yeah. One well, of the many duties here. It was, uh, it was great. I mean, it was, we got a great setup. So Ted's going to jump on Marsh, Weber, bombing, hacksaw, marbles. We have a packed, packed Friday. And we'll tell you right now, tomorrow on the program, we'll, uh, like, I know it's Saturday. We don't normally do a show, uh, but we'll probably jump on for an hour or so tomorrow. Uh, we've got some stuff with Nick Dembski, a great chat with Willie Jefferson, um, and more coming up tomorrow. So YouTubers and podcast listeners, too, frankly, get to YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Maybe you're a weekday podcast listener, but check out what we've got with the video. Lots of stuff from Tim Horton's field. But turn your notifications on because when that happens, you'll know WST is live. You can jump in and check out all of our content on a special Grey Cup Saturday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Probably won't be the full two hours, but we'll pop in some of the other interviews and um, get some last final discussions before the big game on Saturday. All right, we'll get to the game in a minute, Remo. But Chad Kelly won the MOP last night. And first of all, we are still getting reaction from Derek Taylor's heel turn yesterday on the program. I say that jokingly, tongue-in-cheek. Some people do need to chill a little bit with Derek. Uh, People have different views on this award. Um, Just because you're from Winnipeg or you call the Bomber games, it certainly doesn't mean that you're obligated to vote for Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I'll say in DT's defense, um, he's been, I mean, he's an analytics guy. He's talked a lot about the uh, running back position. I think, frankly, just values it less than the quarterback play. Thought that Zach Caleros was the most outstanding player this year. I certainly have time for that argument. There were some people that were a little bit over the top and how mad they were in response to that uh, that clip. So take a chill pill if you're there. That being said, I think our guy got robbed last night, Remo. Yeah, I'll say, I, you know, I uh, I respect Derek's opinion for sure. On football, I mean, he goes into the numbers. He watches. So if he thinks, you know, Chad Kelly was the MOP, um, he's allowed to have that that opinion. The the response on Twitter was hilarious when we posted the <laughs> that video. Clip, that clip that you put together was I, awesome. I mean, I I knew the right when you your reaction was made it made the clip for, for me, but. I, like Chad Kelly wasn't even the best quarterback in the league. I think you look at the numbers. I don't think and so. Zach Claris was so. Uh, I think you can have issues with the way he was voted because you know you could argue the MOP was really Brady uh, versus Zach, or you, you could even throw Vernon Adams. But Brady beat Vernon Adams in the West. Like it's this whole tournament doesn't give everyone. Uh, I don't. If you have a really good team, you kind of get screwed because you only get one nominee. And maybe some people thought, oh, quarterback, you know, running back can't be the most outstanding. But you look at his numbers, you know, two thousand yards, you know, leading lead the league in, in those categories, what yards from scrimmage and rushing yards. I mean, hard to say that he wasn't, but, I mean, that's fine. It is what it is. And, look, he won most outstanding Canadian. And I don't think the Bombers really care about the individual awards anyways. They care about well, the one thing and the game that's on Sunday. You know, the, the the award that was pretty much as much of a lock, although four four people did not vote Brady Oliver as the most outstanding Canadian. So if you really want to direct your ire towards voters, maybe look that way. Um, but, Rio, why don't you get that clip of Brady? Because he uh, he won the most outstanding Canadian award and in true Blue Bomber fashion and Brady Oliveira fashion, talked about, you know, how proud he was to win the Most Outstanding Canadian Award. Talked about, you know, being a young man growing up in Winnipeg and, and you know, dreaming of this sort of moment. Um, but at the end, talked about why 
the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are here, and it wasn't to grab a bunch of individual awards in Niagara last night at the at the CFL Awards. It was to come back with the reward, the award that actually matters to everyone in that locker room a heck more than anything, and that is a ring for every single person on the team. Um, so we'll have that for you in just a second. Um, here it is. Here's Brady Oliveira accepting the most outstanding Canadian award last night. This means a lot to me. You know, I'm a, I'm a proud Canadian. I'm living out a dream, a childhood dream, playing for my hometown with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it's truly a, it's truly a childhood dream. You know, I, I've, been a, I've been a CFL fan ever since I was a young kid. You know, watching legends like Milt Siegel, Charles Roberts, and Canadians like John Cornish and Andrew Harris. You know, Andrew Harris being a vital part of my young career when I got to the Bombers. So I know Andrew's here. I just want to say thank you, Andrew, for everything you've done for me. So as a Canadian kid, this means the world to me. But the job's not done. Let's go get it Sunday. Thank you. All right, there it is. Uh, the job's not done. Let's go get it Sunday. That was the thing that I took out. But um, a really classy acceptance speech. Um, but again, the Bombers are here. This is a work week for them. And uh, you know what? He's got one more chance to get out there with his teammates and get something that's far more important and far more valued by everybody in the locker room than any individual award, and that is the Grey Cup. Just to put a bow, and we'll talk about this a little bit with Ted and with Marsh when they jump on with us today, Reem. But it, 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 I come back to this. Many of the people that I think voted for Kelly leaning towards the quarterback as opposed to the running back are also people that will tell you that wins aren't a QB stat. And the more I talk about this and the more I think about it, like I have a real hard time putting Chad Kelly up as the most outstanding player with the way the Argos handled their season, in particular, not playing him in what should have been the game of the year here in Winnipeg. Now, I get it. They had an amazing season. They were a great team. They went 16-2, and and they wrapped up the East with more than a month left in the season. So did they have to do that? No. Did they do what they thought was in the best interest of the team? Yes. Did it work? Hell no. You all saw what happened last week. But to me, when Kelly was, what, fourth in yards, um, passing TDs was third in passing TDs. Like, I, I do scratch my head wondering how he was the nominee. Like, you can't not play in big games, even if you've already wrapped things up and expect to get credit for that when you do it. Like, what's if we're talking about how much they won this year, well, what's the signature win for Chad Kelly and the, uh, the Argos? I mean, I've talked a lot about the schedule. They beat the BC Lions once in a game that Vernon Adams looked like Chad Kelly did last week in the East Final. He threw six picks. They didn't even show up and put their best foot forward and put Kelly in the game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And anyone that paid attention to the Canadian Football League this year knew that throughout the regular season, and hey, Montreal's got a chance to change the narrative tomorrow. I don't think it will happen, but they have an opportunity. There were three teams, and then there was everybody else. The Bombers, the Lions, and the Toronto Argonauts. And I mean, Montreal is the perfect example of it. They were 11-0 against everybody else. They were 0-7 against the class of the league. So they beat the Lions once in a game that Vernon Adams essentially lost for them by throwing the six picks. VA had a great rest of the season. They never beat the Bombers. And they beat up on a pretty easy schedule and then shut it down in the final few weeks of the season. I mean, to me, 
that is not as impressive and not as outstanding as Brady Oliveira. I know many Bomber fans will agree with me, as do 22 members of the media. Unfortunately, 39 of them thought that Chad Kelly and what the Argos did earned him the award. More fuel for the Bombers going into Sunday, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it is um, surprising, I guess, when you look at the season total numbers, because it is outstanding for the entire season. And I don't know if he played the whole season. And you look at, uh, you know, the quarterbacks ahead of him in terms of yards, Adams, Calaris, Calaris got 10 more uh, touchdown passes. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what else more you can say. I mean, what they give him, give it to him for the 12 games and said, Oh, you know, that's great. You're outstanding. But part of it is, is the format too. Like you have to have someone from the East. Like who, I don't even know who would the other nominee uh, from the East be in terms of this. So if you had it, Ted, if you had it as a true cable, okay, just going to pick the best guy. It's going to be Brady versus Zach. And I think just think this format where you have to pick a winner for each team uh, is flawed. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And listen, a lot of this comes into the schedule. I mean, the unbalanced schedule, which thank God has been rectified. We'll touch on that. Um, you know, we won't. Chad Kelly was basically anointed the MOP after 12 weeks of the season when they were 11 and 1. Um, barely or unfairly. Certainly, there wasn't, it wasn't a statistical base for the victory. Um, it was more about the team. He was the quarterback. They gave it to him. But as I say, just more fuel to the fire for the Bombers uh, in the 110th Great Cup coming up on Sunday. Now, listen, we're going to talk with Ted Wyman about that. We'll focus in on uh, on the Jets tonight with Ken Weeb. Um, but it sounds like Nate Schmidt's out. Logan Stanley is in for tonight's game. I don't know that coaches have not committed to that, um, but we really pretty much knows what happens when uh, a player stays out for extra work. That was Nate Schmidt's. Um, that was Nate Schmidt earlier today, uh, and our old buddy Eric Comrie getting the start for the uh, for the Sabers as the Jets kick off these uh, these back to backs. Yeah, there's I guess some confusion with the Jets having an optional skate. Connor Hellebuck did not participate, so some thought Brossois was going to get the start. But so there's it is back to back. So Brossois will start against Arizona tomorrow. Hellebuck tonight uh, going up against Eric Comrie and. Yeah, they wouldn't say what's going on with the defense. Uh, Schmidt stayed out. Stanley is in, trying to get Stan some more games. And uh, just looking at Eric Comrie's numbers for this year, Huss, uh, had a bit of a rough one last year. 19 is what he did, 8, 8, 6, 8 percentage, 3, 6, 7 goals against. Much, uh, much worse numbers than when he was with the Jets <laughs> in 21-22. But this year, he's off to a nice start. Uh, only three games played. You know, their goalies have had some injury uh, issues and who's been in there? Uka Pekka Lukanen's been in there. Devin Levi as well. Eric Comrie's gotten his his three games so far: two, four, five goals against nine, one, four uh, save percentage. Again, very small sample size, but uh, you know, kind of nice. I'm sure there's you know, it's a lot of the same guys. I'm sure there's some friendships. What was there a wedding last year that uh, that he had that a lot of the teammates? Well, Eric Comrie's the nicest guy ever. Yeah. I mean, like he spent enough time in this organization that I can guarantee you, there's a lot of people that are with the Jets, with the Moose that had been connected with him that consider him a very close friend. I um, mean, you know, he's just a delight to talk to. He's one of the most nicest, friendliest guys yeah. to the media, to fans that we've ever seen. I mean, he is a really, really easy guy to cheer for, except when he plays against the Winnipeg Jets. So they'll welcome him back. They'll say what's up, comms, and they'll hopefully light him up for a few tonight. Uh, the big story when it comes to goaltending for Buffalo has just been the struggles of Devin Levi. And... I can't remember who it was listening to earlier this week. Was it, um, it may have been Jason Strudwick or possibly Mike Johnson, but they were talking about the fact that 
you know, they just fast tracked Devin Levi to the National Hockey League so quickly. And um, you know, they said, like, what was it about this guy that, you know, they thought that they should just, you know, get him right in there and, okay, now he's ready to go, you know, without much time in the American Hockey League. And he was still a really, really young goaltender. And, you know, he's been shaky at times this year, and that has been an issue. That's part of the reason why they've been carrying three goalies as long as they have. Lots of speculation that, you know, Levi needs a little bit of time back in Rochester with the Americans to start feeling good about where he's at. He's three and four with an 881 and a 365 goals against average so far. So no Devin Levi tonight, no UPL. It will be Eric Comrie. Presuming Hellebuck is the guy that starts tonight, which we do believe will be the case. LB will get the chance tomorrow to get back in the net when the Arizona Coyotes come to town. Frankly, Arizona will already be in town tonight. They'll probably be chilling at the Delta or the Fairmont or wherever they play while the Jets are playing tonight. So a uh, quick turnaround, but the Jets have had back, you know two days off before the game on Tuesday, another two days off before these back-to-back. So they've been planning in preparation of knowing they were going to be going on Friday and on Saturday night. Yeah, we'll have to take a look at the ice times because they really had to ride uh, their top three lines after going with 11 forwards and then having Rasmus Kupari leave with injury. And, yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, the two teams coming in this week so far, Buffalo and New Jersey, two teams with goaltending questions that we, you know, we kind of speculate. Are they going to look to acquire a goalie in the offseason? And they really didn't make that big move. And two teams that have star players out with injuries, Jack Hughes and uh, Nico Heischer out Tuesday, and the Jets catching a bit of a break with Tage Thompson uh, just getting hurt hurt the other day yeah that's a tough tough pill to swallow for uh for the sabers i mean that's uh yeah he he's their guy and uh he uh he won't be here tonight so that's getting a little fortunate no jack hughes and he earlier this week as you mentioned and now yeah. no tage thompson tonight but hey you got to make uh you got to play who's on the schedule and you got to play who's on the lineup and that'll be the job for the jets to continue their strong play as of late yeah, tonight tage thompson had such a great season last year and that's kind of why everyone thought buffalo was going to take uh this step forward this season and I don't think it's totally happened, but uh, I think they're on the right track. Yeah, seven, eight, and one, seventh in the Atlantic and the Eastern Conference is just so tough. And for tomorrow's opponent, opponent Arizona, they played last night against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, that was a win for them. You know, the, the Arizona Coyotes a road favorite in that game, but uh, that game making headlines has to be because Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine getting scratched. I know a lot of people on on. <laughs> Jets, uh, Winnipeg Jets fans on Twitter are... Yeah, not scratched, but benched. Sorry, not scratched. Yeah, sorry, scratched. Yeah, yeah, they got benched. Yeah, Pascal, uh, our old pal Pascal Vincent, uh, dealing with a a really struggling hockey club right now. And and listen, I know uh, Phyllis and Bridget, I'm sure, will agree as a a line-A guy and a big fan of his, it's sad to see where he's at right now, both with his team, with his confidence, presumably, and... uh, it's a far cry from that young man that, you know, lit up this city and lit up the league with, what, 80 goals in his first two seasons in the National Hockey League. And uh, you wonder where it goes from here. Uh, but um, Line a turned into Dubois, who turned into Ayafalo <laughs> and Velarde and Rasmus Kapari. And um, you won't find too many folks here in Winnipeg that aren't too pleased with uh, with that. Obviously, no Kapari tonight and no Velarde. Those are the two injured members of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and it's Axel, our boy Axel, getting a chance. I, I'm not surprised. We kind of speculated this on the show earlier this week that he would be the guy that was added to the lineup, Remus, um, because of the nature of Kapari's role, fourth line, speedy guy, killing penalties. That's what Axel will uh, be back. And, uh, you know, I, I'm 
I'm upset that I won't be at the game tonight because uh, nothing better than seeing Axel's flow rip around. And uh, it looks like he's going to be playing with Gus and Morgan Barron on that fourth line. Everything else the same in the top three lines. Yeah, I love Axel's flow on the ice. I love his hyphenated last name that takes up the entire jersey as well. But yeah, I mean, just going over the lines, Connor Shafley, I follow Perfetti, Nemesnikov, Ehlers, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, uh, Baron, Gustafson, and Axel, who does uh, bring the speed. And Morrissey, DeMello, D- Dylan, Pionk, and um, I guess what? They had Sandberg and Schmidt and Stanley was rotating in. That was, oh, that was, sorry, that was yesterday's, uh, yesterday's lineup. First time in a while you yeah. can't just copy paste no. the lineup. <laughs> I mean, it's like what? <laughs> back in. It's like the fourth, you know, the fourth line and the third pair D gets swapped around. But again, the Jets have been so consistent and looking to see what they can bring. Uh, tonight against Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, we'll chop it up with Kenny Weeb coming up in about uh, 25 minutes or so. First, though, we're going to talk with our buddy Ted Wyman. We'll get his take on the MOP award and then get down to the important business, which, of course, is the game on Sunday as the Bombers look for another great cup. Hey, uh, we want to thank all the Mobros right now, Reem, as well as... Um, a couple more donators to the causes. We look to raise very important funds for Men's Health Month. Um, if you haven't already, hit that link in the description of this video. Or if you're listening on the podcast, we'd appreciate if you went over to winnipegsportstalk.com and made a donation for Men's Health Month. Um, we've had a couple nice ones recently, Reem. And uh have to thank everyone that has been yeah. uh, been jumping on board as well as our team that is uh, up there uh, raising funds and uh, growing, uh, growing, the, growing the most. Yeah, I got a couple shout-outs here. Greg Friesen uh, gave a very nice donation. Thanks, Greg. Greg, and there's a couple more on our team page. Oh, my God. we Collective as a team, uh, $1,960. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, shout-out to remote Chris Nielsen, Lane Janice. That was some big ones. Uh, One Bird's in there, Steven, Michael, Ray. And we do have some Mo updates for the end of the show. Yeah, uh, Ray, we saw that duster. It's but, coming in quite well. But shout out to Bob Shabalo. Nice donation yesterday. And Edward. Thanks, Bob. Fortier as well. So the no- donations are coming in. Uh, link in the description. Link in the chat. Uh, WinnipegSportsTalk.com at the top. And it will be on there. Good stuff. And, of course, we're uh, really appreciative of a modern man's support of us and Movember and Team WST. Eight locations for Modern Man in Winnipeg, so there's one near you. New locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. And uh, they've got you covered, fellas, with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. Uh, a big thanks to our friends at Aquatech for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, you know them as the pool experts. And if you're thinking of taking the plunge in 2024, Get in touch with them now. Um, but what you might not know is that whole home renovations start at Aquatech. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're looking to finance, their team can provide plans that suit you. And listen, if it's time to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, your uh, even at a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. The Manitoba Battery Gang, they're ready to go for Sunday. I can tell you that. Donnie and his great staff, massive supporters of the blue and gold. um, And the go-to people in town for the best prices on batteries 
for literally everything. Now, we used all those batteries for all the fun we had in the summer, but right now it's time to get ready for winter and make sure that your car or your truck is ready to handle the cold that is inevitably on our way. Uh, best thing to do is make sure that um, you have got you can get your battery tested if you want. Just pop by Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. They'd be happy to do it. But if you do need a new battery, shop local and get the best prices in town. Manitoba Battery beats the pants off the big box stores. And in addition, they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. That's right. Any purchase over 60 bucks, they will deliver it to you inside the city of Winnipeg. It's just that easy. So go to manitobabattery.com, order online, or give them a call at 783-8787. And, uh, of course, you can always pop in and see them in person at 1026 Logan Avenue. As we get ready for Grey Cup parties, don't forget to pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and pick up the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know what? It's Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club. Uh, we've enjoyed it a lot at the stadium this year. We see you all at the Rum Hut. We see people enjoying those CC and Gingers at the games. Well, you might not be at the game this Sunday, but you can have the great taste of Blue Bomber football. Canadian club, pick it up now and for the holidays at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And don't forget, CC and Ginger available at your local beer store as well. And this weekend throughout the holidays, and always, please enjoy responsibly. All right, we will get to the Jets in a few minutes and uh, get the latest on the club going into this back-to-back tonight and tomorrow with Kenny Weeb. But first up, let's uh, talk about the MOP award and the upcoming Grey Cup with our buddy Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. All right, it's not Grey Cup week without a a live sit-down with our pal Ted Wyman from the Winnipeg Sun. How's it going, my friend? It's going great, and as you said, it's Grey Cup week, and in in my mind, just as a, a Canadian guy and someone who has loved football my whole life, this is what it's all about. You know, you just love to be here. You love the, the, the so many people that come from across the country, the joy in the players' eyes and voices uh, just about being here, the excitement, the tension. Um, it's just everything about it is fantastic, a fabric of our country, and, and it's so meaningful to me to be here and be a part of it. You know, we're really getting into the meat of the weekend. We've seen more and more fans come in over the last couple of days. But I have to tell you, after being in, and this is not to you know, diminish other host cities like Toronto and BC, which are obviously great places to go, um, but the CFL, I mean, the hammer feels like the CFL. Yeah. And, I mean, I was out last night. I went across the street to watch the uh, Bengals and Ravens game, and I guess the Calgary Great Cup Committee had just had a party. There was a freaking horse leaving the bar. Um, That's and their thing. <laughs> that, that, that is their thing. He came in, uh, um, got served one or two, I believe the horse did. And, uh, and then these people just had a hell of a time all night long. And uh, I didn't tell you, I mean, considering Hamilton had this game two years ago, coming out of the pandemic, which you know, was they were really unable to show off the spirit of the hammer when it comes to the CFL um, I'm feeling it right now, and I think this is going to be a really, really fun weekend leading up to the big game on Sunday. Yeah, it's all about those kind of great traditions, Huss. Uh, the horse, I mean, it just wouldn't be the Great Cup without the horse. <laughs> and, and you know, it's interesting because Hamilton got the Great Cup in 2021. It was a COVID Great Cup. Um, the, the, the league has kind of explained that it was really the league's Great Cup. They just placed it in Hamilton. It was very scaled down, but honestly, it was still a great time. We all thought that was a really good Great Cup, despite the fact that it was scaled down. And 
they wanted to give Hamilton a chance to do it again on a larger scale. Yeah. And Any great cup would have been good in 2021, considering <laughs> well, what we went through in it, 2020. It really was. It, it, it meant so much to actually be out in the world again. Even though even then we were still wearing masks, we were being tested every single time we went anywhere at that time. So it, it, it really, um, it, it's, it's much freer now, obviously, where we're at. But um, it, it still was really good. And I get the same feeling that you do. And that's that Hamilton is a CFL city. It embodies what the CFL is all about. And it's really the only place in Eastern Canada that, that you can find that. And it, it just, it, it's meaningful again, like I said, to come here. Last year we were in Regina. Very few places on the planet embody the CFL the way Regina does. And yet it's very, very similar here. And I'm really hopeful that it's going to be great in BC as well next year because the Lions are resurgent. Uh, Amar Doman has done just such a fantastic job with that organization. And I think they're going to put on a show that's going to make us say Vancouver is a great town as well for the CFL. And that's exciting. Randy Ambrosi had a a lot of good news this year and sometimes he puts too much positive spin on everything and you wonder um, is it really possible that everything could be this rosy this year I think he had a lot of good things to report and and, that, and there's some real growth and health in the CFL right now well the BC situation has been I mean phenomenal for the league I mean and it comes it starts with an owner um, that is willing to put in the resources and is committed to uh, you know to really growing their team, their fan base, and promoting the league. And I think they've done that. We've talked with a bunch of people from BC who are here planning for next year, and uh, I think it will be an incredible week for everybody involved. Um, but we'll have lots of time to talk about BC. Let's get to let's get to this week. And before we get to the game, of course, last night was the CFL Awards. Um, plenty of discourse about. The MOP award. Listen, you have, I mean, you're, you know, very involved in the Football Reporters of Canada, a voter yourself. Yeah. I, I have to ask you, um, like, what, this wasn't really that close. Chad Kelly ran away with it. In a lot of ways, it seemed like he was um, crowned MOP five, six weeks ago. Um, he doesn't have the best quarterback numbers in the league. I made the point that if you look at the big games against the big teams this year, they beat BC once when Vernon Adams had six picks, frankly played like Kelly did in the East Final. Yeah. And uh, they didn't even have him take the field against the Bombers in what should have been the biggest year, uh, biggest game of the season. Um, Zach Caleros and Vernon Adams had better numbers than Chad Kelly. What was the argument that led to him running away with the MOP? Well, it all stems from the Argos record of 16-2, and two, of which uh, the one loss he did not play in at all, and that was, uh, that was the game in Winnipeg, which I still think was a big mistake by the Argos, and I think it, it led to, in part, their loss in the Eastern Final because the, the big game experience that they had an opportunity to go for, they did didn't really put their best foot forward or they didn't even really try to put their best foot forward. So I think that has a lot to do with it. The other game that he lost, he, he started, but he didn't finish that game and they lost to the Stampeders. So I think that's what people are looking at. I think they look at that really great record. He had a very clean season. He didn't throw a ton of interceptions. Um, he, he, he was the leader, unquestioned leader of the number one team in the CFL in the regular season. And the problem for me, of course, Huss, is this, and this discussion comes up up time and time again when we vote on these awards is some people vote on it as though it is an MVP award and some people vote on it as though it is the literal translation of the award which is most outstanding player and I think a lot of the people who are on the most outstanding side 
would make, like to, you know, are more likely to make the argument that Brady Oliveira had a more outstanding season. I mean, he really was the guy that ran away with the rushing title. He ran away with the yards from scrimmage title. He, it, it, it's hard to say it was historic for a Canadian player because he wasn't the, he's not doesn't have the greatest season for a Canadian player, but it's the best one in an incredibly long time. Only 15 players in the history of the league have ever gone over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. This is a 110-year-old Grey Cup, right? So I mean, uh, this. Been a long time since you know, for for somebody to have one you know one of the top fifteen seasons of all time. That's outstanding, and um, so. I agree with you that this was kind of decided a long time ago by a lot of people. I think the Eastern voters probably almost exclusively voted for Chad Kelly, and that alone would have pretty much ended it for Brady Oliveira. Uh, he had his supporters. He got 22 first place votes. I think. Um, I think that it's. I'm not going to call it a travesty. This is a vote. It's a democratic process. It's reasonable. There was arguments in in around the country that. Even the Winnipeg nominee wasn't correct. You know, some people thought it should have been Zach Caleros and, and Brady Oliveira. Uh, shouldn't even have been up for the award, period. But this is why we have a vote. And it was fair and square. And, uh, you know, Chad Kelly was the one that came out on top. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have a lot more time for Chad Kelly being the winner based on the team's record if he actually played in some of those big games. And... You know, had numbers. I mean, a lot of times, if we're talking about outstanding, it's what you do on the field. I mean, listen, full credit to the Argos for taking care of business and clinching the East in almost record time. Um, this also goes back to why they had to go to a balanced schedule this year. And I think that's a huge, very, very important for the league going forward. And we can kind of touch on that in a minute. But, I mean, when you're basically sitting a guy for a third of the season and, um, you know, not having him play in what should have been the signature game of the year, I mean, to me, I think if you are fairly judging everything, I mean, that's got to take a bit of a hit to a campaign for being the most outstanding player of the season. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't earn that without going up against the best in the league and playing in it. And, listen, the Argos made their decisions, and... I, I mean, to be honest, I remember us talking about this, and it was a real buzzkill. It took a, a lot away from that game that we'd been looking forward to all season long. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I think it legitimately should have taken some away from, you know, everyone just crowning Chad Kelly the MOP because there were other teams that were playing important games like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that were coming up big in crucial situations like a guy like Brady Oliveira. And uh, uh, to me, I'm not sure he really got the uh, consideration that he probably should have deserved based on the entire regular season. Um, is there a bias against... A running back? I mean, certainly there yep. wasn't when we were talking about the Winnipeg vote. Um, and I'm here for the conversation for Zach Kolaris and Brady Oliveira, who was more outstanding. I'll certainly say I think Zach is the most valuable player. I mean, that goes to the quarterback position. Well, maybe um, it's time to change the name of the award then, because yeah, if yeah. that's the case. But, yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Hus, but, yes, I do think... It's not a bias. I don't think that's fair. But there are some guys who are voting in this league who are not going to vote for a running back because... You know, there's that. Running backs are a dime a dozen kind of feel. And, and, you know, they're more replaceable than a great quarterback. But to me, again, that goes to the MVP type of conversation. It, it, it's like it, if... 
so, so yeah, the, the question was put to me, if, if uh, Oliveira got hurt and Johnny Augustine went in there, how would the Blue Bombers running game be? Would it be close to as good? Would it be, you know, just dropped off a little? Would it be terrible? Well, I would think it would still be pretty good because Johnny Augustine's a good running back. Um, and if Zach Caleros went out, wouldn't the Bombers just drop off a cliff? Well, I don't really agree with that because I think Drew Brown's a pretty darn good quarterback and he showed it this year. But nonetheless, the point is made that the Bombers would be in a lot of trouble if they lost their starting quarterback. But again, that is an MVP type thing. And I do think that the voting process is flawed in that sense because some guys vote with different mindsets on it. And yeah, they're... The, the, the running back thing is, is tough because some people just look at that as, you know, if you've got a great offensive line, you can be a great running back. If you've got a great scheme, you can be a great running back. But doesn't that apply to the other side as well? If Chad Kelly only got sacked 12 times or 17 times this season, well, he had a great offensive line. So why doesn't it apply in that sense as well? I think we could talk about this forever. But, yes, I do think that there's, there's voting philosophy disagreements that also play into how these awards uh, come to fruition. You know, um, hey, listen, this is what we do. I mean, it's a fun sports debate. A lot of people have a take on one side or the other. The Bombers are here for one reason, and that is Sunday. And I, I said at the end of our conversation with DT yesterday, um, you know, if it does go to Chad Kelly, while I think Brady deserves it, um, to me, this is just going to be another thing that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers use to bring out the best in themselves and probably number 20 um, when it really matters, and that's on Sunday at Tim Hortons Field. Absolutely, and, and you guys know, like I, I know DT well, and I've talked to him many times, and he and I have philosophical disagreements on this as well. And, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys who really thinks the running back position isn't as important as as another position and so therefore he comes from a different standpoint on these things but I actually the first question I asked to Brady Oliveira after he won the most outstanding Canadian award last night was Chad Kelly got the got the uh, MOP but you're going to play in the Grey Cup you know which prize would you rather have and of course he you know what he said right I mean he's he basically he he he's a Winnipeg Blue Bomber guy he's a Mike O'Shea guy no guy who's, who comes from a Michael Shea team is going to have any different answer. An individual accolade is just not important compared to the team accolade, which is to win the Grey Cup on Sunday, and he gets a chance to play in it. The guy's been in the CFL for four seasons. Guess how many Grey Cups he's been to? He's gotten kind of used to this thing. He's been to all four, and, and this is his time to, I think, what he really wants is to really put his stamp on this game and, and follow up an incredible season with an incredible Grey Cup and bring it back home to Winnipeg. Um, Ted, just quickly, I mean, just kind of as we transition to uh, kind of talking and getting your thoughts on Winnipeg and Montreal at Tim Hortons Field in the 110th Great Cup, um, I mentioned the balanced schedule next year, yeah. which is, I'll say this, I think for voters like yourself, we'll have a much more even playing field when we're talking about evaluating teams, seasons, and players for these sort of awards. And I don't, I'll be honest, Making schedules in professional sports is very difficult. You've got availabilities. There's so many variables that go into it. But when I think about what the CFL schedule has been over the last three or four years, like I'm not sure they could have got it more wrong yeah. when it came to big-time games that just didn't even happen with guys going to other markets, important players, not playing their old teams. How... how 
much of a benefit do you think this is going to be for the league overall to have everybody going head-to-head, both home and home, and um, you know, having more of an even playing field regardless of where you are in the country and what division you're in? Can I give you a two-word answer? Mm-hmm. No brainer. <laughs> I mean, there is just no question that this had to happen. I'm actually really glad, really pleased uh, that, that Randy Ambrosi got up at his commissioner's address this week and, and announced it immediately. He said, we're going back to that. And that shows that they know this had to happen. I'm not, I don't want to give them a pass on this because I think it was a really bad decision to go to the unbalanced schedule. I mean, who needs four games between Toronto and Hamilton, three of them in, in a row? You know, I mean, I'm sorry. That doesn't reflect what this league is all about. You've got to have a better representation. You've got to play everybody or else you don't, you don't know what, you're, what you've got. There's only nine teams. I mean, come on. You surely can play <laughs> each other. that hard. <laughs> a home and home at least. I mean, Andrew Harris never came back to Winnipeg in two years. It's Perfect example of that. Lapo goes to Ottawa. We didn't see Ottawa no. at that point. Uh, I don't think the Alouettes... Well, Mitchell did not go back to Calgary. I mean, none of these yeah. things happen, and it's just an, an absolute, in my mind, a marketing flop by the CFL and a really poor decision in terms of promoting their, team, their league. But they've, they have made the right decision to go back. I think the whole idea in the first place was born somewhat out of COVID, coming out of the COVID season. Obviously, financial situation, an absolute disaster coming out of a lost season. <laughs> and, and a lot of the owners, particularly I think in the East, did not want to have to make as many trips out West as they did in the past. And they felt like making these regional games um, you know, more prevalent would be good. They, they, they promoted it as uh, increasing rivalries, but you don't need to, like, do you really need to increase a Toronto-Hamilton rivalry? There are any rivals. <laughs> do you need to increase Winnipeg and Saskatchewan? People get up for those games. You don't need more of it, right? It's a, it's, it's I would good, argue that more of it takes away it does. from the specialness of the Labor Day Classic it does. and the Banjo Bowl. I mean, if you're playing the Riders four times a year, um, you know, it does diminish that it a does, little bit. Yeah. And listen, they're in the going in the right direction. It was a great bit of news, uh, and it'll be fun to look at that schedule next year when it comes out. When is the Grey Cup rematch? When? when Week do the one, hopefully. Play the Argos. Well, it better not be September 29th. Let me just tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I think they learned their lesson uh, this year. But um, let's get to the game. Um, interested in your thoughts? I mean, the Bombers are a big favorite, as you would expect. Um, what can the Montreal Alouettes do to uh, be in this game, considering the way the Bombers manhandled them in both games this season? Yeah, I, I think the only way the Montreal Alouettes win this game is if they force a bunch of turnovers, as they have in other games in the playoffs here. Um, if they can get the ball on the ground, if they can recover it, if they can get into the end zone with their defense, that will equalize where their real weakness is, and that's on offense. I mean, Cody Fajardo um, has not been throwing deep balls. They're, they're kind of a short uh, offense. They don't get the ball into the end zone through the air. They're middling uh, in terms of running game and passing game. I don't think that offense scares Winnipeg's defense much at all. So I don't expect them to like, – if, if it's offense versus offense and they're both operating at high levels, I don't see how – there's any chance that Montreal wins this game. But if Montreal's defense, perhaps if their special teams with James Letcher get into the end zone and give them that, uh, you know, that, that equalizer, 
for a, uh, a, a kind of a passive offense, then absolutely they have a chance. Bombers have to take care of the football. They have to be aware of the fact that the Montreal Alouettes are a team that spies uh, opportunities to go for interceptions. They will go for the interceptions. They will put their safety mark and Antoine Decroix in um, disguised situations and have him come up in in you know on a player that you wouldn't expect him to be on. And then he's just in a spot the quarterback's not expecting, and he gets his interceptions. Bombers have to be absolutely certain where he is. They can't let that hurt them. And if they can take care of the football, move the ball the way they normally do on offense. I see them winning this game by a good 10 points. You know who uh, you know who knows about the uh, Montreal Alouettes and their ability to uh, turn, take it into the end zone on defense? Zach Caleros. Yeah. Um, and I still think back to that game in Winnipeg, which uh, two pick sixes going the other way, and the Bombers still won by 30 points yeah. and uh, were a field goal short of a 50-burger. Uh, I don't think that happens again. And you've been around the team all season long. I mean, that pissed Zach off for well... He probably still irks him yeah. about those two pick sixes. I mean, between the team coming up just short last year in the Grey Cup and what happened head-to-head between these teams this year and exactly the path to victory happening, I don't see that happening again. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I mean, a workmanlike effort leaning on the defense, leaning on the offensive line in the running game, um, like they did last week against BC at home, might be exactly the game plan again for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, if you can establish that run with Brady Oliveira, then your pass is available to you, and you've got what you want on offense. You all, that, that's what you always want to do, and the Bombers are set up perfectly for that. That was, the, that was the one thing I pointed to why I thought they'd beat the BC Lions. The Lions have no balance on offense at all. It's not that hard to predict what their mm-hmm. offense is going to do because they don't have the balance. Winnipeg has that balance. And Winnipeg's going to say, hey, you know what? Here's the first drive of the game. We're going to hand it off to Brady Oliveira a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to take it to the end zone eventually. You know, a methodical, all Brady Oliveira drive. That's like saying... We dare you to stop us. And you know what? The Lions did eventually figure it out, but they didn't figure it out right away, and it was already 7 nothing. And, and that's just a, a really important um, establishment of, of the game. And that's another reason you can't vote on Brady Oliveira because of how he did in the playoffs. But it's another reason why I consider him such an incredibly even valuable, not, let alone outstanding player, because you can rely on him in those situations, and you can rely on him in the fourth quarter to turn out yards if you're trying to protect the lead. Set the tone, protect the lead. It's, it's massive. Here's one thing I just wanted to mention, too. Montreal scored six points on offense against the Blue Bombers in two games this year. Bombers don't want to get complacent with that knowledge, but it's pretty obvious that the Alouettes got dominated in those two games. Well, they, they absolutely did. There is one pretty major tweak to the Bomber defense. Yeah. It's probably going to be no Adam Big Hill. And listen, I think they've got the athletes to come in with Cole and Clements, but I do wonder... Um, how much the team will miss on the field. I mean, you know that he's going to be there cho- coaching the guys up and be around there, but assuming he is not playing Ted, um, how much does that affect the Bomber defense when they're out on the field? Well, if you're the Alouettes, you'd be crazy not to be game planning for that, but I think it's going to be Shane Gauthier starting at, uh, mm-hmm. at middle linebacker. He's the guy with the most veteran presence in there. He's done it before replacing Big Hill, but when you watch practice this week, it's been a rotation of Gauthier, Cole, and Clements. Uh, Michael Shea mentions Jesse Briggs in there quite a bit. Briggs has been with the team 
longer than anybody except for Jake Thomas, and he's a guy who obviously has the veteran savvy. It's, it's by committee. You can't replace Adam Big Hill. Everyone knows that. I don't think, I think athletically, I think they're fine. These are good athletes. These are fast players. Uh, it's the it's the glue. It's the it's the leadership. It's how Adam Bighill is the captain of that defense, and he guides everybody to be in the right spots at all the time. You don't have him in there. I don't know who takes over that role, especially if it's going to be three or four different guys in the middle linebacker position throughout the game. So that's something that's going to really be to watch for because on defense in this league, communication is probably the most important factor. You know what? I'll throw a guy out there, Brandon Alexander. From but uh, he's already game. leading the defensive backs. He yeah. can't be trying to get the I just, linebackers you know, in the right spot. Well, I, yeah, it, it, I mean, put it this way. I think from like a Richie Hall's perspective, working through practice this week, um, that level of communication, decision-making between those two areas, because uh, those two guys, I mean, they probably don't even need to say anything to each other. They just know. And uh, in a lot of cases, you know, if you're just in that wrong spot, you can be the best athlete in the world, but, you know, there is an element of game planning and chess to it as well. Um, and that'll be a big, big challenge. That being said, we know how Cody Fajardo has been terrorized by the big guys up front. If Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat can do their thing, uh, maybe it won't matter that much. Well, and this is not, I don't think this looks like a particularly formidable offensive line from the Montreal Alouettes either. Fajardo was sacked second, seven times last week. He had a, they had 197 yards of offense. They won that game. You can't totally, you know, you can't blame them totally. They weren't on the field that much. But, I mean, realistically, that's, that's nothing special whatsoever. And, and, yeah, he got sacked seven times. So I think the Bombers, I think Jeff Code and Jefferson are going to be in his face all game long. And to be honest, when that happens, the Bombers don't usually lose. Ted, this has been awesome catching up with you. Um, have a great weekend. Very quickly. Fill people in on uh, what you, Freezer, and the Sun team have because uh, I'm sure it's all hands on deck getting ready for Sunday in the I, Sun. I do not think my memory is good enough to list all of it, but <laughs> there's been a heck of a lot. You know, we'll have a, you know we've had uh, tons of stuff all week, you know, three, four stories every day, and um, we're going to have a big package of stuff in Sunday's paper. But I really like to break it down with all kinds of things. You know, look at who's got the edge. Look at who some of the game-breaking players are. Look at a tail of the tape with all the numbers and also all the uh, – uh, all the you know quotes and and chats that I have with players here this week sum it all up. I I had a feature today on Kenny Lawler. I think it's uh, worth a read. It's really interesting. He opened up a whole lot about what makes him tick, how his parents um, um, really have driven him to try to be a person who gives back to the community, how his mistakes, particularly the one major one, um, have have motivated him to try to be a different person who helps others, and how his teammates respect that he has grown and matured since 2021 when he um, was arrested. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's meaningful to see because uh, Kenny is a, is a pretty deep guy and, and he really shared this week. Looking forward to it. Um, last one for you. I, I'll allow you to save your official prediction and scores for the Winnipeg Sun. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked would you be if we are on a plane coming home talking about the Montreal Alouettes being Grey Cup champions? Eight. Eight. I like it. Yeah. I'll take the over on that one. <laughs> Ted, great stuff. Have an awesome weekend, and thanks for doing this as always, pal. All right, man. Real pleasure. Great to see you guys out here. All right, great stuff with, uh, with Teddy Wyman. Really appreciate Ted jumping by. Um, Ken Weeb's going to come in like 10, 12 minutes or so. 
But uh, we've got another special guest with us live here right now. Just before we uh, mention that, don't forget, back-to-back games at home, Friday and Saturday. Many have been waiting. Hey, I want to go on the weekend. Well, team's playing great. And uh, we got Friday and Saturday night games. So uh, get to WinnipegJets.com. Let's uh, get a few more butts in the seats this weekend and pay attention for some Black Friday deals coming out next week from the Winnipeg Jets. Um, All week long and for the rest of November, we'll be qualifying people. We will have marbles today, but on Thursday, November 30th with Vita Health and Prairie Naturals, we've got an incredible prize to give away. A beautiful signed Trevor Linden jersey complete with a certificate of authenticity and the full package of Prairie Naturals supplements, Canada's number one men's health brand. So get on over to winnipegsports.com slash contest. Enter your name. We'll announce some qualifiers a little later on today for uh, a couple days this week. We had three earlier this week. And then throughout next week and the week after, right up until November 30th, we'll qualify people to get a marble in the race for a great prize, courtesy of Vita Health, where you can uh, stop by at any of their six locations for great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Of course, it is Men's Health Month, and um, Prairie Naturals has an incredible selection of supplements to help men with all sorts of things, low energy, testosterone, stress, and more. Pop down and see them in person. Check out Prairie Naturals online. And good news, Prairie Naturals on sale all month at Vita Health for Men's Health Month. You can also find out more and shop online at myvita.ca or pop by and see them at any of their six locations in Winnipeg. Big thanks to our friends at Wallace & Wallace, the fencing experts in Winnipeg. I mean, listen, you've seen their fences and trucks all around the city. They've been doing it since 1946. But you might not know that they're also the leaders in overhead garage doors. And that overhead garage door of yours has had lots of ups and downs this summer and the fall. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. Pop by and see them as well at their uh, showroom down over on Lawson Road. And, hey, big sale next week with the fellas at F Apparel. Guys, if you need to up your menswear game or you're looking in your closet and you realize uh, you need to step it up a bit, <clears throat> F Apparel, always your number one choice in Winnipeg for menswear. But a big sale. The Black Friday sale starts Monday in-store and online. And check this out. Custom suits, guys, as low as $350. Shirts as low as $50. Ties starting at $15. Tons of great deals to be had. You can visit the website or uh, make an appointment at F Apparel, E-P-H Apparel, to uh, shop the sale. Get on down again, and big shout-out to the gang at F, uh, making uh, so many of the fellas look good. Holiday season right around the corner. Great time to uh, jump on the Black Friday sale, beginning Monday, in-store and online. F, that's EPHapparel.com. All right, continuing our Great Cup chat. Kenny Weave jumping on at about 10 the Bombers in the house. Darren Bombing, Bonfire Sports. How's your weekend going, buddy? Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to the weekend. But it's kind of felt like a weekend, right? Where it's just like, get as much in as you can. Because it's the Grey Cup. And, uh, well, happy to be here. Happy you guys are here. The Winnipeg contingent, whether the Bombers are in the game or not. And it's been half a decade since that's been the case. But it's it seems to grow every year. Great to have uh, WST here. 
Uh, big conversation on the show, certainly since yesterday's show and online on the mm-hmm. MOP. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I mean, you as a member of FRC, uh, what did you think about Chad Kelly getting the nod? And, and in your mind, Darren, what needs to change related to this award going forward? I do not think Chad Kelly was deserving of most outstanding player. That's what the award is. It's not valuable. It's not to the quarterback. We've seen a lot of non-quarterbacks win MOP in this league. Running backs, receivers, linebackers. So to look at Brady Oliveira and how outstanding he was and to look at Chad Kelly, who, as you mentioned yesterday, Huss, beat up on some weaker teams and... Really, I, I didn't see him like lead any long, uh, you know, impressive fourth quarter comebacks or anything like that. Great old line play, strong run game. I think he was good. I don't think he was outstanding. If you're what- giving him the award on just because they won so many games, like what was the signature win? Right. I mean, they beat BC once. Vernon Adams was a disaster in that game. Mm-hmm. Frankly, as I tweeted out, looking like Chad Kelly did in the East Final. And they didn't even show up and play him in the Winnipeg game. I mean, I'm sorry. That has to hamper someone's uh, credibility to be the best player in the league. Yeah, and it was a close vote. It's one of the closest votes ever where uh, Oliveira and, uh, uh, and Chad Kelly split it. And, you know, Kelly got it, I think, by 12 votes. But... The reality is there needs to be changes, and I'm on the executive of, of the Football Reporters of Canada. We're the one that puts out the ballots of you know all the voters in each of the markets and that sort of thing. We need to revamp the voting process, not just for the MO awards, but also for division and league all-stars. Right now, you can only pick nominees from, okay, first your team and then the division. I think that is flawed. If you look at the the strong side linebacker, they call it, who's not a linebacker, he's a cover defensive back, the dime back spot. If you have the two best dime backs in the CFL and they're both in the West division, and that has happened before, Dion Lacey, Derek Moncrief, um, Mo Leggett with the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, you're going to eliminate one of those guys just because he plays for a certain team. That is so stupid and limiting, and I sure hope we can fix that. And same with the MO awards. If you have two of the best players in the league, Zach Kolaris, Brady Oliveira, Vernon Adams Jr., and a Chad Kelly, well, shouldn't they you know, not just exclude guys because they're not in the same division as Chad Kelly? The one thing that I will say is that, I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. Uh, it is the nature of voting, though. I mean, like, let's say they just said, hey, we're going to put up the top three players. And people thought that the top three players were Chad Kelly, Zach Caleros, and Brady Oliveira. You know, people that are looking at Winnipeg, the vote would be split. It probably would end up being the same thing. But anyways. Well, the a- vote almost was split, right? Like, there's a reason Brady Oliveira was the MO candidate in Winnipeg and not Zach Kolaris. I believe it was three to two. It might have been four to one. But uh, those are your five votes. And, of course, the head coach, Mike O'Shea, has one of those votes. So, you could hear Mike O'Shea. He, he spoke to it directly and not speaking. O'Shea does vote, eh? He does. He doesn't yes, wait. Head... He, doesn't, he only just doesn't break ties. Well, who knows if he delegates, you know, that vote to somebody else. But he does have the vote. The head coach of each team has a vote, including on the national level when it gets to, you know, the, the final two. But Mike O'Shea, in not speaking about Brady Oliveira, just speaking to... Uh, Zach Kolaris not receiving the MOP vote in Winnipeg. He says, well, he's the best there is, and there's no other quarter, no other guy you'd want with the game on the line. That is true. And I'm not, you know, uh, categorizing Mike O'Shea one way or another, but the reality is some people want to vote for the quarterbacks no matter what, and others mm-hmm. want to look at other players on the field that were outstanding. Brady Oliveira dominated <laughs> fourth quarters this year. 
absolutely iced games for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was the most outstanding player in the league this year. I'm glad he got MOC, uh, but he should have had both. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm still here for the Zach argument versus Brady, to be perfectly honest. But sure. based on what we were talking about with, I mean, just when it comes down to Kelly, and I know this is probably repeating myself, but he was fourth in yardage. He was third in touchdowns. Yep. He was anointed the MOP when they were 11-1. and one, And listen, the Argos... Maybe knowing that didn't play him against the Bombers, but for the true integrity of the league, uh, listen, this also gets to the schedule. How the hell is that Great Cup rematch at the end of September? Um, the Argos earned the opportunity to rest guys if they wanted. Um, it turned out poorly for them on the field, and, and I think it definitely took away from what could have been an MLP season. But I don't know. If you don't go up, up against the best in a big game like that, to me, that definitely hinders uh, one's candidacy. Well, let's talk about a guy that wasn't up for the MOP award, but is going to be going for what really counts, and that's another ring, Zach Caleros. Uh, you know, he didn't have to do much, honestly, in the game against BC. I mean, they started off running the football. The game was dominated by the defense. Uh, you know, no one really calls Zach a game manager, but they managed that game last Saturday against the BC Lions. What do you expect from Zach this uh, this Sunday? Um, and Will they start out with the game kind of with that same focus on the running game? Or do you think things change up and we sort of see Zach really let her rip early? I think it is do what has worked, right? And that is ball control. That is being risk averse when you don't have to take a risk. The Montreal Alouettes defense, outstanding. We will talk about them in a second. Their offense, though, even though the Jason Moss, uh, Cody Fajardo remarriage Huss has been much better in Montreal than it was originally in Saskatchewan uh, in, in years past, they're not a deadly offense. They're balanced. They've got a couple good receivers. They have a very strong run game. Um, but the reality is they're not going to put up, especially against this Blue Bombers defense that I think is right there, uh, you know, maybe even the best defense in the CFL. While Montreal might be a better team this weekend than they were the first two times the Bombers and, and Alouettes played, and I think they had one uh, offensive touchdown or six points, no offensive no, touchdowns. two field goals Yeah, in two, uh, in two games. But Montreal is a better team today than they were. However, they are not a game-breaking uh, offense, uh, so Winnipeg's offense just needs to do what they do. They don't have to throw down field like crazy. They will if it's there. I think Kenny Lawler is going to be a huge piece alongside Nick Dembski in the receiving game. I don't see Dalton Schoen playing in this game. We'll talk about the defense and some of those guys as well uh, in a second. But for Zach Kolaris, while not getting a, a third straight MOP, a lot of people saying, well, okay, uh, that would have elevated him into the Doug Flutie stratosphere uh, where he won, I think, four in a row. Uh, the reality is, if Zach Kolaris can quarterback four straight Grey Cup, um, four straight games and win three of them, and who knows what next year brings, that is going to put Zach Kolaris in a stratosphere of his own with the greatest that have ever played in this league. And I think that's important to understand. But uh, Kolaris, this is this is my insight on Zach Kolaris. You notice him during the week. It was same with the, with the West Final. He's kind of you know stoic and almost looks a little grumpy. And then after the game, we saw how elated he was in talking to TSN and and you know the post game uh, and all that. I think it's like he has the whole burden of just winning 
on his shoulders. And when the game is over, win or lose, but especially win, I think that just lifts and you see the real Zach Kolaris come out. I think Zach Kolaris in October, November is a very different Zach Kolaris than in December and January when he's not thinking about having to win a football game. Hey, it's uh, it's all business this week for yep. eight and uh, he will be QB1 tomorrow and uh, I expect to see uh, that smile on his face at the end of the game. Um, defense, a big part of this. Um, in all likelihood, we won't see out of Big Hill barring what would be an incredible return from that injury in the West Final. Uh, Darren, give me a couple guys that you think are going to be very key for the Blue Bomber defense outside of the usual suspects terrorizing the quarterback up front in Jackson Jeffcoat and Big Willie J. Well, hey, Willie J is the best player in the CFL. I mean, just as an individual athlete, I, I really think he is. Not MOP, not MVP, just the best athlete in the game. But with Adam Big Hill's status, uh, frankly, it is slim and more likely none as far as a chance to play in the Grey Cup, which is unfortunate. I look at a couple of the linebackers that are going to step up uh, in his stead. Of course, Kyrie Wilson is an underrated player, all-star caliber linebacker, but Brian Cole will step in and take some reps, um, as well as Malik Clements, who has started uh, in this defense before. But Shane Gauthier has been getting a lot of the work at middle linebacker. And the reason you see Shane Gauthier, who is a big body Canadian thumper of a player, it's because I see Montreal's offensive uh, strategy in this game, Huss, is to establish the run. And all this talk all season about, oh, the run game, how important is it? It's dang important. Look at these two teams. They're here because of how good their run games are and a balanced offense. I see Shane Gauthier as the type of run-stuffing middle linebacker that will be so, so important. And him getting those middle linebacker reps, I expect him to get a lot of that work in the game. I think that speaks directly to, maybe not the disrespect, but knowing that Montreal is not going to beat you with Cody Fajardo's arm limit the run, and you're going to put uh, Montreal in second and long situations more often than not. Well, and, and just quickly, I mean, uh, it, it is a pretty wild story. I mean, there wasn't a lot of people that expected Montreal to be here, but they are. Yep. Uh, not a bad landing spot for uh, Jason Moss and Fajardo after they were uh, shown the door yep. in uh, Saskatchewan, and in a lot of ways made to uh, sort of wear the brutal season that they had last year that was repeated again this season. Yeah, hindsight worked well for them because they're in a much better situation in Montreal with new ownership and a good GM and uh, Danny Machocha uh, than you know the situation in Saskatchewan. Um, as far as Montreal, the addition of Darnell Sankey at middle linebacker coming from the XFL, who, Willie Jefferson reminded me of this, Sankey was part of an underdog XFL championship team that went into the game underdogs had got a kind of a meddling regular season very similar to the Montreal Alouettes and they came away with uh, the championship in the final game of the XFL season uh, and then the addition of Sean Lemon when those two guys joined Noel Thorpe's defense all came together Reggie Stubbefield is an outstanding rookie uh, I, I look at um, you know uh, a lot of the players that they have on their defense, Mark Antoine Ducroix at safety, they are very, very, very good. Um, and they seem to just kind of put everything together at the right time. That's probably the real strength of this Montreal Alouettes team. Um, but, uh, you know, Winnipeg's defense, I, I can't say enough about Evan Holm and Dietrich Nichols. Nobody's talking about Dietrich Nichols. It's ridiculous. because they don't throw to him. They don't throw to him, <laughs> so they don't say his name. This guy is amongst the best players, bar none, in the CFL. I'm talking to Evan Holm the other day, and he's like, I don't know how I'm a CFL All-Star, and Dietrich Nichols is not. <clears throat> Holm deserving, but Dietrich Nichols is a 
stud. I, you know, you could we'll call ask, him the best DB in the league. We'll ask Austin Mack about uh, Nichols after yeah. mm-hmm. uh, after the game tomorrow. Um, I call him the human tarpaulin. <laughs> he covers everything. I'm looking forward to uh, the uh, the bonfire pregame, which uh, you'll be cranking out tomorrow. For no other reason, just to hear how fired up Bluto is. Uh, just fill people in on uh, what you and uh, Big 6-3 have uh, got cooking up for a great cup Saturday. I know you guys really enjoyed Tristan Rivers' Ballad of Bluto rendition he put together. <laughs> we have got a debut new track of Chris Walby, who's just, a frankly, an outstanding singer. Uh, <laughs> as much as he was a broadcaster, is a broadcaster, and was a player. But, uh, yeah, we've got uh, tons of uh, interviews to play and, and you know, to get the insight of a guy that has three Grey Cup uh, rings and called 10 Grey Cups for CBC and uh, done a lot of pregame with me uh, through this uh, impressive Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, era uh, of going to four straight Grey Cups. It's going to be fun. Tomorrow afternoon, Bonfire Sports. We'll crank out some stuff. I know the OB guys are doing a couple hours. There will be a no shortage of Blue Bomber and Grey Cup content for you on Grey Cup Saturday. DB, behave yourself tonight. we got a big day tomorrow. Yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Darren. There's Darren Bombing again tomorrow afternoon. Check out the Bonfire YouTube page. You know where to find it. Sub and uh, make sure to join the fellas as they uh, break down the 110th Grey Cup. Listen, tons of bomber coverage today on the program. And of course, when we do that, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto who've been welcoming bomber fans all season long to the Princess Auto tailgate before Blue Bomber Games. Uh, Obviously, the game is here in Hamilton and not at IG Field. But, you know, Princess Auto will be behind the team all the way to the finish line, just as they are with Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, at Princess Auto, you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. You ready for Sunday? Heck, are you ready for Friday and Saturday night with the Jets taking on the Sabres and the Coyotes? If you're not, get on down to Royal Sports, an incredible selection of Blue Bomber gear, including a bunch of exclusives that you will not find anywhere else and the biggest Jets selection in town as well. Thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise ready to go, not to mention all the jerseys customized as you want just in time for the holidays as well. And uh, in addition, speaking of the holidays, full NFL merchandise with all 32 teams represented. Blue Jays, Major League Baseball, Raptors, NBA, International Soccer, and more. Take care of that entire holiday list for the sports fans in your life at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and online at uh, Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Give them a follow for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and holiday gift ideas. And the gang at BP is ready to go. Sunday, it is on. The official Blue Bombers Grey Cup watch party is going down at Boston Pizza Keniston. Uh, Boston Pizza Keniston, the official party, along with Coors Light and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, What you're going to want to do, though, is if you are planning on taking it in, book a table. Give them a call, 204-925-4103. Come early and get loud and win official Blue Bomber prize packs all game, happy hour special all night, and all your BP favorites, not to mention the BP prize wheel. Of course, the game will be on at all the Boston pizzas with those happy hour specials. If you've got a more convenient one to get to than BP Keniston with the official party, and if you're doing it at home, buy one medium or large gourmet pizza. Get a second one for 15% off. 
But the Grey Cup really calls for the BP game day meal. Two large gourmet pizza, triple order of wings. Call 925-4111 or order online at bostonpizza.com. Celebrate the Grey Cup with Boston Pizza, your official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, Marshall Ferguson coming up in a few minutes. But let's get to this hockey game tonight. and We welcome in our pal from the Winnipeg Free Press, Ken Weeb, on the program. Weber, greetings from the hammer. What's going on? Yes, good afternoon, Andrew. Great to see you. Great to see you on site with the uh, CTO there and uh, some of our colleagues. Great intensity from uh, Mr. Bombing. Uh, always good to see uh, a lot of the local contingent on on the premises for a big event such as this one. Um, certainly a little bit of FOMO, uh, having covered a few Grey Cups myself, and including last year's. So it's uh, going to be a fun game at the downtown arena. But uh, yeah, this is one of the one of the fun events on the sporting calendar. A lot of Canadiana. I'm sure you're uh, seeing plenty of it and uh, should be a good match up there on Sunday in the Hammer. Yeah, no, you know what? And this is a great, um, like I've spent a little bit of time here in the past. I mean, uh, back in my uh, Moose days, we were here for uh, playoffs mm-hmm. against the uh, the Bulldogs, which was a lot of fun. Um, but this is a CFL city. I mean, it feels, I mean, there's a lot of Winnipeg in Hamilton. It's a pretty gritty city, and people love their football team, and they love to party. And that's exactly what's happening this weekend <laughs> for the uh, for the Grey Cup. Um, and it was great to see, you know, I got to meet your colleague Taylor Allen for the first time, the commish there you go. of the Winnipeg Media <laughs> Fantasy League. Uh, some yes. good trash talk and a side wager between myself and Hamilton. And I just realized, you're not even in the league. What happened? Did you, like, not get the email or... Uh, just said no. I did get the email. You, you, you don't uh, Taylor dance. was kind enough to you don't invite dance me. He with was some of the big boys. <laughs> well, Huss, you know I have a hard time uh, keeping my schedule straight enough to uh, set my fantasy roster. And uh, based wow. on the other pools that I'm in this year, uh, it's 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 a good thing that I'm not in there because you would be trash talking me uh, <laughs> at will. Uh, some of my uh, some of my great moves include having Justin Fields on the bench for consecutive 40 point weeks, <laughs> uh, then putting him in and having him get injured. So uh, it's probably you know I, I don't mind finishing last once in a while, but I don't. I try to make it into the pool next year if there is room for me, but uh, this year I couldn't uh, pull it together at the last minute. No worries. Uh, listen, we got lots to talk about. Um, back-to-back games. Uh, and it's an interesting week. You know, they played. They had two days off. They played another two days off. A skills practice one day. Practice yesterday. Just an optional today as the team's going to be getting after it for these next two games. Um, Hellebuck in. LB tomorrow, it looks like, and a yep. change on the blue line. Um, just quickly on the lineup, it's been so easy to just copy-paste when we've been doing the lines <laughs> with this club for the last three weeks yeah. or so. Um, Axel in, and it sounds like Logan Stanley in. Uh, what's going on, and uh, what's behind these decisions, other than, of course, the obvious injury to Rasmus Kapari? Yeah, Huss, I mean, obviously on the fourth line, it's going to be back with uh, Gustafson back in with Axel Jonsson, Fialbi, and Morgan Barron there. Uh, I don't think we'll see an 11-7 and seven scenario. And I mean, obviously, Scott O'Neill kind of shed some light on the situation, saying that he was not opposed to it, and he actually likes it. So we could see it a little bit more as we move forward, just not in a scenario where the Jets are going to play back-to-back, and they don't want to risk an early injury like what happened with Rasmus Kapari, leaving them with those 10 forwards for the majority of Tuesday's game against the Devils. On the back end, uh, Scott Arneal didn't confirm it fully. I mean, he said it was very likely Stanley would play. Well, I'm here to tell you that Nate Schmidt stayed on an extra 20 minutes and uh, got a got a rinse uh, from uh, from the assistant coaches. So I would imagine that means he is going to be uh, back in healthy scratch territory. 
uh, I think, you know, we talked about this, you know, it, it was an open competition, but the open competition only really included one, you know, Nate Schmidt in the sixth spot for the majority of the first, you know, only Logan was Stanley only playing the one game. Uh, the best explanation that I have for you, you know, without having the coaches shed a little bit more light on it is we know one of the areas the Jets are struggling in is the penalty kill. And uh, Logan Stanley, I think he had less than a minute the other night uh, on the penalty kill. But if Nate Schmidt is out, I would expect those numbers to go up. And uh, we know he has reach. We know he has um, the ability to clear the front of the net when he is in playing an engaged and assertive game. And, you know, a lot of the things we talk about in terms of the dynamic of, of the Jets having a lot of the same on the back end, uh, Logan Stanley is not the same as some of the guys that he will be replacing. So uh, he has a different skill set, um, different strengths, different weaknesses. And, you know, now it's an opportunity for him to play back to back games. He played just under 10 minutes the other night. Thought he played a pretty, you know, steady game. Um, you know, not to say that Schmidt didn't, but uh, he's going to get another chance to show that maybe the competition will be a little bit more open than it had been through 14 games, I think is my, as my best assessment there, Huss. Um, you know, uh, things can change quickly. As we know, there can be injuries quickly. I think it, it's almost like the, the backup goalie situation. If you let someone sit for too long now, it's not like you take them out of the competition, but you put them in a very difficult situation. So uh, this looks to me right now uh, in terms of a little bit more runway for Logan Stanley. Uh, I know immediately pe- people will be thinking, well, uh, could it be a potential showcase scenario? I don't see it as one. I think the Jets are just looking for, you know, to see if this mix is something that they would consider using moving forward, Huss. Uh, I don't think that, you know, Nate Schmidt played poorly the other night, and I don't think that Logan Stanley played great, but uh, I think he played a steady game for a guy who had missed so much time. Uh, He played a little bit more of a physical game. You know, now it's about him, you know, having that confidence to use his feet, and when he moves his feet and clears the front of the net, he can be an effective player. Uh, we know that you've been talking this week about Billy Hanala. You know, Hanala for me, Huss, uh, I think he's still quite a ways away, even though he is making some nice progress. Uh, I would just reiterate, I know you guys, we, we talked so much about how missing training camp or the bulk of it hurt Nikolai Ehlers. That's a three-week scenario of training camp, Huss. Billy's going to be in a situation where he's missed almost three months. So, um, and and we realize that he doesn't require waivers. He doesn't require a conditioning stint. He can be sent directly to the moose and stay there as long as he needs to. Uh, I'm just here to say that I think Billy Hanlis still factors in for the Jets, but I don't see him factoring in on the Jets' blue line before the calendar flips to January. But again, it all depends on how the last bit of healing goes and how the skates go, but he's going to need some significant runway of his own at the AHL level to get himself back up to speed just based on the nature of the injury and the amount of time missed. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't think it'll surprise anyone when Vili gets a conditioning stint down with the Manitoba Moose. It's been cool that he's been around the team, still feeling like he's a part of it, but it'll be important for Vili to be um, you know, ready to go and at his best when he comes in because this is going to be the time where I mean, the opportunity, I would imagine, will be there for him to put the flag in the ground and stake his claim as a regular with the Winnipeg Jets. And, um, you know, he'll need to be comfortable. He'll need to be feeling great. And he'll need to be 100%. And that doesn't always happen right when you come back from an injury of this significance, Ken. Yeah, that's what I mean. You you touched on the moose. I mean, I I just, as a point of reference, think of Kevin Bieksa after he had basically established himself as a a full-time NHLer. He came back, had a high ankle sprain in, in, you know, 
in the late in the summer or in training camp, and then he joined the Moose. And it takes a while for these injuries. And Villy's going to need 20-plus minute games at the American League level. And again, I don't think that you just throw them over the boards and say, here's your 22 minutes after missing all this time. But, I mean, this is an example today that, you know, with Logan Stanley playing consecutive games, it would lead you to believe that the Jets still have, you know, there is a vacancy to be had, or, or they're at least going to give the opportunity for guys to audition through that spot. And we know that Declan Chisholm is already on a conditioning stint right now. He'll have an opportunity to play, I think, eight games once the two weeks are over. And then, too, Declan Chisholm should factor into this discussion. And, you know, by the time Chisholm is back with the Jets now, then they have their own eight spinning through already. Uh, you know, and then you maybe probably have Schmidt, Chisholm, and Stanley battling for that job. And then Billy Hanel obviously wants to make him part himself part of that equation and wants to be the guy who separates himself from the pack. But uh, a lot of things have to happen in the next little while before that. Obviously, you talked about it with Scotty yesterday. Him getting out of the boot, him being with a tensor instead of a walking boot, that's already a major step forward. Get the guy on the ice, it's going to take some time. But, you know, obviously he is going to want to be part of that discussion. And if he can get himself back to the level he was at in early October, he absolutely will be in that discussion. I'm just here to caution people. It's not a matter of he gets himself in skates and he's right back to where he was on October 5th before that unfortunate sequence of events knocked him out of the opening day lineup i mean this is a difficult injury to come back from i expect him to you know put he's been pouring everything he could into the rehab portion but the hard work is just around the corner here and it's still the runway i think is going to be significant before we see him in a jets jersey kenny let's talk about these games on the weekend um yep. you know the team's been rolling they have been playing very well, very consistently. You got Buffalo coming in, no Tage Thompson, and I, I will caution people. I know the Jets have owned the Arizona Coyotes for the last number of years, but this is a much better team. And of course, they probably feel like they owe the Jets one for the way they uh, came back after the two nothing deficit a few Saturdays ago. Give us your tale of the tape, if you will, on these Friday and Saturday night contests at CLC. Yeah, interesting. I mean, there's been lots of comparison shopping happening here, and I think that the actually the the Sabers and the the Coyotes are have a lot of similarities. I mean, I would even maybe closer to where the Sabers were a year or ago, maybe if you will. Uh, whereas the Sabers now go into the season with great expectations after being so close to actually making it, despite an eight game losing streak in November last year. Uh, high octane teams, lots of skill. Uh, I would say the area that the Sabres are a little much more advanced would be on the back end uh, where they have a legit Norris candidate in Rasmus Dahlin. They have another first overall pick in, in Owen Power, uh, guys that you know have locked down here. Like they're, they're feeling the same kind of things. Just having talked with Eric Comrie, the former Jets netminder, who's going to start tonight against Connor Hellebuck, they got that jolt of lightning that Josh Morrissey referenced back in training camp when, when Hellebuck and Shifley signed. The Sabres are feeling those same kind of vibes here when, you know, both of those guys have locked down long term and uh, they're a team that, but again, now we also know that, you know, with, with great expectation comes great responsibility. And, you know, even though Donnie Granato said it's a privilege and obviously it is, if people think highly of you, that's great. But now you got it now, now you're not sneaking up on any teams. So I don't see the Sabres sneaking up on teams, but I do see them having a, a really high end roster that's kind of in the development phase. But now it's time. They've been, they've been out of the playoffs for a long time. Now it's time for them to push through. And in terms of Arizona, I still would say they're in the 
the you know the the Sabers are moving towards win now mode where their expectation is to be a playoff team. Whereas the Coyotes are kind of like where the Buffalo Sabers were last year. They're kind of not necessarily viewed by the outside as a playoff team, but they're moving past the you know blowtorch uh, scorched earth uh, rebuild stage into the trying to become a wild card team that you know separates itself from the mushy middle but they've got a fun team to watch too i mean their goaltending is kind of stabilized we know carol vamelka has played great against the jets over the years he did give up more than expected but it wasn't that he played poorly the other night uh connor ingram's doing a nice job for them they've got some high-end talent you know logan cooley's come into the mix after you know great year at uh, the university of minnesota uh, Clayton Keller is a guy I thought Hussey was a little bit quiet in that game a couple Saturdays ago, personally, for me, given his skill set. But, I mean, they, they've got some good players already, and they have some other guys like Dylan Gunther on the way uh, that will that will be fun to watch. So Jets are going to have to – this is not – you don't want to be in track meet territory. And both of these teams that they're going to be playing would be encouraging of the track meet format, which not to say the Jets can't do it. It just means sometimes in those track meet games you make – a bad mistake in the neutral zone, it ends up in the back of the net and can kind of turn the tables. We saw that to a degree after a little bit more of a grinding first period, you know, the devils fought back with that kind of bang, bang kind of, you know, quick, quick punch and counter punch attack. So uh, I think it'll be another two good tests for the jets, but they're in a good spot. Uh, Lauren Brassois, uh, is definitely going to be playing on Saturday night, even though it wasn't a, you know, a public declaration. But yeah, I mean, Scott O'Neill basically got around and said they're they're both going to play this weekend. And, and that's important. I mean, these guys need to get their games. Uh, I know some people are saying, oh, well, what about you know the game on Saturday is more important? Well, the Jets have historically been a team hus- that plays their starter in the first game. And I think this is not a, it's not a knock on the Coyotes. It's a, you know, it's a tip of the cap to the Sabres also knowing that they're they're playing two really good teams. But guess what? The backup's going to have to beat some good teams and some teams within the division during the course of the year if the Jets want to get to where they want to be. You know, I'd argue that these are uh, big, big starts for both of the goaltenders. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I think that Connor Hellebuck has another level, frankly, a couple probably that we could see. Yep. And I know that he really wants to get into groove before a couple big starts against good teams next week on the road. And for Loren Brassois, he uh, you know didn't have a great start to the season, got the first win, and now it's time to you know kind of get on a bit of a roll himself. As difficult as that is, with um, you know the amount of time between starts. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, I would say both guys would be probably the first. I mean, yes, we know that Connor in his last media appearance said he likes his details and likes his game. Well, hey, guess what? When was what? the last time he ever said anything otherwise? <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> um, I would say that he uh, he had a very, I would say the Devils game, maybe, I thought it was very solid for Connor the other night, Huss. Uh, important, a uh, little bit higher volume. You know, obviously the third period was a big push by the Devils. I think 16 or 17 shots in the period alone. Uh, I thought he was doing, he was back to being economical, big and boring. Uh, you know, did a really good job. I think there were more second chance opportunities against the Devils than there had been on some of the earlier games. Uh, and I thought he was very, rock solid and, that, and that's the kind of effort that Connor Hellbuck needs to provide uh, I do think that you know we know that there's been lots of talk during the course of the week about the you know the, the workload and the, in terms of shot volume and where the chances are coming from and even though the, the shot totals are down the high dangers are still coming you know maybe not as much regularity but the high danger chances coming off of mistakes have been still some pretty tough saves so but I'm with you I mean uh, this is you know, but this is not breaking news. Connor Hellbuck is an elite goalie, and and so far, there haven't been a lot of nights where 
I mean, again, the Oilers game, he stole the game. There, there's no no ifs, ands, or buts. But he hasn't been put in a position to have to steal a lot of games. And at the same time, I think that Connor is going to continue to get better. I mean, this is we know what the what the historical films will tell us about Connor. He is an elite goalie. I expect, you know, and this isn't just about numbers, us. I mean, the numbers are going to take care of themselves. And yeah, and I understand the the argument that the five on five numbers are excellent. They are. But I mean, you said it yourself. I, you know, we've been around the game long enough. I mean, yes, there have been breakdowns, but the easiest way to help the penalty kill get better is for the goalie to also make more saves during the penalty kill. And again, this is not pointing the finger at Connor Hellebuck. He's not the reason the penalty kill has struggled, but with a few more highlight reel type of saves, he can help the penalty kill get out of this rut. And I expect that is exactly what he's going to do because he's been doing it for years and he'll be doing it for more years. And in terms of Brassois, you know, I think he looked a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you know, it was important for him to get a win the other night. I mean, I think he's going to get himself into a groove also. Again, we know this is different than last year. Yes, Brassois won the job in Vegas last year down the stretch, but he was playing a lot. And right now he's, he's getting back to a situation situation where he isn't getting the same volume number of games. So uh, he's back into the jet system, which is obviously different than in Vegas. So I think he's settling into a groove and I expect him to, you know, continue to play better as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the goaltending is going to be better. And and if the jets get from, go from average ish goaltending to, you know, above average to elite. Now, if they can continue the five on five play, that's a scary proposition for opponents. I mean, for me, and, and I expect both guys to continue to play better. I mean, it's just, it's that simple for me. Weber, before we go, we've got to ask you about the game. Give us a prediction. Final score, 110th gray cup. Who you got? Yeah, I'm not going to go in the higher point totals like Scotty went with earlier in the week. I think this is more of a, I do think the Bombers offense is going to get itself going, but I don't see it being a, a crazy, like in the 30s. I think it's more of a like 27, like 13 kind of effort. I, I don't see the Bombers giving up a lot of touchdowns. Uh, I do think that the Alouettes defense uh, is going to be solid, but I also think that you know it's obviously going to be a big battering ram type of game. Uh, not that Brady Oliveira needed any additional motivation. I do think that the, you know, only winning one of the two awards is going to be something that provides a little additional fuel for him. And, you know, Zach's got to be play a clean game. Um, we know that the Alouettes drove Chad Kelly crazy last week and, you know, Bombers got to take your ball security is going to be massive. I mean, I don't anticipate the Bombers being anywhere close to nine, nine turnovers the way that the Argos were. Uh, I expect their defense to be dominant, even, you know, probably without Adam Big Hill. I think that's fairly safe to say. Uh, but I do think the Bombers are going to be ready to roll, Huss. I mean, I was on that field last year talking to Chad Kelly after he embraced his parents. And, you know, there was obvious disappointment for the Bombers. And it, I don't think it was a lack of focus. I mean, when's the last time we saw two two blocked field goals in a game I, i'm not expecting there to be two blocked field goals uh in the game on sunday i can tell you that right now uh i do think that the bombers are very hungry and i do think that they will get the job done but i mean i, I do expect the alouettes to provide a stiff test but uh, i think ultimately the same as last week the if you win the win the battle of the line of scrimmage uh i think the bombers win the game they'll win their third and four and they will get uh, some jubilation to erase, not erase, but to uh, alleviate some of the stress from, you know, not being able to have this being a fourth consecutive victory rather than a fourth consecutive appearance. 
Busy weekend for uh, you and Rennie. Of course, Kenny and Rennie after uh, both Jet games Friday and Saturday night. And the guys will wrap it up, then put their dancing shoes and probably go close down the pal both nights as well. Ken, uh, have a uh, have an awesome weekend. Uh, enjoy those games and the Great Cup, of course. And we'll look forward to catching up with you back in the peg next week. Yeah, Huss, you'll be uh, catching up with me in uh, in Florida next week, luckily for me. Uh-oh. But uh, tough, tough And yes, gig. and uh, as a bonus, Huss, I will be uh, attending the Monday Nighter on the way home from this road trip, which is also quite exciting. Uh, my flight from Nashville will be stopping over in Minneapolis for the Bears and Vikings on the 27th. Oh, my God. So. I thought you meant this week's Monday Nighter. Chiefs oh, and sorry, Eagles no. at Arrowhead. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're talking. That, that would take some uh, impressive travel by me. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no doubt about it. Um, well, listen, travel safely. We'll look forward to catching up with you on the road. Should be a great trip. Looking forward to it. But first up, two big ones at home for the Jets tonight and tomorrow against Buffalo and Arizona. Have a good one, Weaver. Yeah, thanks for having me. And also a big night for Zach Benson here. Um, lots of fired up. He had dinner with his billet family yesterday, and uh, he just spent about six minutes with the media here. He's jazzed to be back in the lineup. And, um, you know, it's interesting time for him. He's getting close to that 10-game mark. So uh, it's going to be a fun a fun game for uh, some of those ICE alums, if you will. <laughs> no doubt about it. Keep your eye on Benson tonight. Uh, thanks, Kenny. There's Ken Weave. And again, K&R tonight, post-game uh, on the KNR channel, you know where to find it. Uh, hey, Grey Cup weekend is here, gang. Uh, I know you're probably stocking up not only for the game, but also the holidays. Make sure if you're uh, needing beer to make it Winnipeg's finest little brown jug. 1919 generic. Heck, you can pick that up at the game tonight. The new craft beer corner, section 126 downstairs, section 310 upstairs, and generic now. $19.99 for the eight-pack of Tall Boys at your local beer store, but your best bet probably is to pop by the brewery and tap room, maybe get a few samples, and then uh, stock up for the Grey Cup and the holidays with Winnipeg's finest Little Brown Jug in there on William Avenue, and make sure to follow them on their socials for upcoming events as well as the um, little WST gathering that we're going to be doing in uh, early December, we'll let you know more about details for that coming up next week. Uh, and hey, a big shout out to our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ. Three locations I mentioned. You know, maybe you're not going the beer route, but uh, how about a blue and gold DQ ice cream cake for the big game in your party? What could be better than that? Uh, you can pick one up or uh, heck, hit them up at DQ Manitoba if you want one specify uh, one one customized for you that you can pick up at either DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, or the DQ. In Niverville, and don't forget, Nick and Nikki also have the new Pita Pit in Niverville with amazing catering options. If you're interested in Nick and Nikki catering your event, they'll deliver citywide in Winnipeg as well. Hit them up, Niverville at PitaPitMB.com or on Twitter or Instagram, or X, I should say, uh, at Pita Pit Niverville. All right, Hacksaw still to come. A WST exclusive for the Grey Cup with their friends at Cool Bet. A marble race. Uh, but let's uh, welcome in Marshall Ferguson, TSN Marsh, to the program for his thoughts on uh, everything going on around Grey Cup Week and the big game on Sunday. Back in Hammer at the Grey Cup with uh, with a hometown boy, Marshall <laughs> Ferguson, who will be uh, along with our pal Dustin Nielsen with the radio call of the game on Sunday. Um, Marsh, it's great to see you yes, in person. Thank you for having first me. of all. Uh, and before we before we get to the game. We have some business to take care of. <laughs> Marble race champion, Marshall Ferguson. There we go. An incredible performance you. after you came on a couple Fridays Thank ago. You. 
people still talking about the uh, the day TSN Marsh won the WST double race. <laughs> I am uh, I'm honored. I feel bad because this is like a jersey swap after a game, and I don't have a jersey for you. So uh, no, it's it's awesome. I was saying, you know, I've always appreciated chatting with you guys, and obviously we had very similar timelines in the TSN radio experience. But uh, the way that you guys have built this thing up, and I mean the logos, the branding, the way that you've been able to produce it as well with Michael, it's, it's awesome what you guys are doing. So thank you, thank you. I will wear this proudly. Really appreciate it. Um, let me uh, first off, what's it like? Listen, it's Grey Cup week. Yep. You've been involved for a long time. Um, but you're a Hamilton guy. Uh, what's yeah. it like? A home game for you? A little it's, busier, I'd imagine. <laughs> it's it's funny and awkward and wonderful all at the same time because uh, the last time I was in this hotel that we are chatting in today was like my XXX girlfriend was getting her spray tan for a bikini competition that was happening in a conference room in this hotel. So you just walk into places during Grey Cup week and you're like, where's the spray tanning? Yeah, but you're, but you're like, I've been here before. Why do I remember this ballroom? And you're like, oh yeah, okay. That's what, that's what was happening there. So it is funny because, you know, the entire CFL world comes to your backyard and you are still living your life. You know, my son is still at daycare right now, 10 minutes down the road, and I got to go get groceries after this. And it's, <laughs> it's the type of things where usually when you're living in a hotel in Regina for six straight days that you don't have to think about any of that stuff. So I, I enjoy it because it's so nice to share my, where I'm, I've lived for the last decade with everybody, but it's also so strange because you go from, you know, the CFL awards in Niagara to coming home and having to walk the dog. And it's like, these are just like things that I, I have not thought about in all of the great cups I've had before. Even in 21, it felt different. This year, because everything is more open yeah. and it's not the COVID experience, it feels very much like a juggling act, but it's been a fun week so well, far. I'll say this. I mean, uh, Hamilton really does seem like... Um, you know the great cups here. Yeah. I mean, you get here, yeah. you pop around the city, you see people rocking tie cat stuff. Um, there's... An element of excitement. It, it does kind of feel almost like a bit of a Western Grey Cup, and, yeah. and you know, you mentioned 2021. You know, the beautiful new stadium, an unfortunate set of circumstances around it. This, in a lot of ways, is uh, the Hammers' chance to show off their spirit for the Canadian Football League. Yeah, and I know Scott Mitchell and Matt Affinick. Uh, you know, when <laughs> it's so funny looking back at it, when you, I remember being at Tim Hortons Field when it got announced that Hamilton was going to get their couple of Grey Cups because it was in the contract they had to, I believe, get two Grey Cups within the first ten years of having the stadium at Tim Hortons Field. And I mean, it really got pushed, right? Because they opened that thing up in 2014, and here we are in 2023, and they're like barely squeezed in the second one in the first ten years. But being able to go through 21. And then they had to do the flip-flop and, okay, 20 is canceled, so we'll move this here. And Regina gets 22, and then we'll give you guys 23. And, and I know 21, it was kind of like, yeah, the Grey Cup is here, but this isn't what yeah. we want to be doing. Like, we're, we're going to put it on and do the best that we can. But to wait essentially eight years from the opening of the stadium in Hamilton and then have to throw – I don't want to call it a half-assed Grey Cup because it wasn't. You know, it was a great event. It was a great week. But it wasn't even close to what they wanted to do. And so this week, it's been really interesting to me to see, okay, you've been saying for damn near a decade that you want to go full out and to do this and make it special and unique and different and uh, an event to remember. Well, now's your chance, right? And we're kind of seeing it in real time as, as the energy and excitement is ramping up around Hamilton in various places uh, that I think they're really going to make a push and go above and beyond on Saturday and Sunday to make sure that people know that Hamilton put on a great event because let's be honest about this too. You start doing the math in your head, 24, right? It's going to Vancouver, 25 Winnipeg, which is going to be awesome. 
And then you start going, okay, well, it's got to come back to the East probably in 26. Well, that's either going to be Ottawa or Toronto, likely Toronto, because that would have been, you know, a decade since it was there in 2016. And then you're like, well, then Edmonton and Calgary are up, depending on stadium situations. And you start doing the math, and you're like, this is probably the last time this decade that Hamilton is going to be able to host the Great Cup, unless they smash it out of the park and maybe they get 27 or 28. So, yeah, they want to make the most of this. Well, really, uh, got a really interesting matchup coming yeah. up. Hey, before we talk about this, uh, let me. The big talk around Bomberville has uh, was the awards last night. Yes. Uh, was Chad Kelly the most outstanding player of the CFL this year? I told you guys on this show when I joined you, I thought Brady was. I still feel that way. I got great respect for Chad. I said that too, right? Like, it's the way he's had so much going on personally throughout the year that Chad Kelly's been battling through and trying to find answers as to what type of quarterback am I as a pro? And he spoke in his acceptance last night about, you know, learning how to play quarterback, learning how to manage a game, understanding how to be a better leader in the locker room. But man, I'll be damned if that East final wasn't one of the most confusing things what, that what, I've seen. What happened? Like, how are we that's, talking about the Alouettes in this game? On that's Sunday? what I've been asked. Every single person I have talked to, and I actually really enjoyed this during media day with the Alouettes, where I grabbed Reggie Stubblefield and I grabbed Marc-Antoine Decroix and I just went, what the hell did you guys do to Chad? Like, what was that? How did you create that many turnovers? And they basically all just said, we confused his eyes. He started to doubt himself, and he just started throwing it to us, which is the exact opposite of what he's done throughout the season. So, yeah, to your point, like, Chad is a special player. I think that there's a a really, really high ceiling on his game in the CFL as he continues to grow and develop. But I still think Brady was the MOP. Like, if we're talking most outstanding I think if you watch the CFL this year and the voting system, we could have that conversation too about the flaws in it and you know who maybe who should have been there that wasn't because it's always East versus West instead of the best overall players that are in the in the you know the the awards uh, kind of flow. But I think if you're going Brady against Chad, it, I don't equate wins to a quarterback and being most outstanding. If you're most outstanding as a quarterback, you better be top of the top in. 75% of the offensive categories that you're eligible for. And Chad wasn't really that. He was a really, really good player on a really great team. And I think he got credit for that. Whereas Brady, I thought at times this year, dragged the entire Bombers roster with him and said, come with me. I'm, I'm leading this thing. And he was outstanding in a lot of different ways. So I would, I mean, I voted for Brady like I told you I would. And apparently I was only one of 22 people who did and 39 voted for Chad. So, <laughs> Uh, I'll say one thing. I mean, the great news from the commissioner earlier this year about the balanced schedule, I think, will have things. I think it'll be um, an easier comparison of players based on the schedule because that was one thing. I mean, like, listen, it's not Chad Kelly's fault he didn't play in Winnipeg on September 29th. I mean, good for the Argos. They won the teams on their schedule, and they had the opportunity. You can debate whether it helped them or not in the long run of not having him in a game like that. Um, but next year we'll see every team home and home, two additional games, and I think it'll be a little bit more of an even playing field when it comes to truly measuring who the best players were in all of the categories for uh, for the season. Yeah, and I think I've experienced this covering the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the past when I was doing radio on on that team, where you know you're playing four times against the Argonauts throughout the season, and it's like, well, that's great because I know the ins and the outs of Hamilton versus Toronto, but how am I supposed to compare a Toronto player or a Hamilton player? to a BC player or an Edmonton player when I don't get that many looks of seeing them play against each other or cross over or how they handle adversity in different situations on the road, far from home. It's just, there's so many different variables that go into that. If you have the same teams playing each other all the time, I think you lose some of the perspective that's needed 
on how do we compare these players. And, uh, you know, obviously the hope is that we end up getting another team in the league with the expansion, whatever that ends up being. But at this point, I think the CFL, similar to what we're talking about with the Great Cup Festival, it's rebounded in a lot of ways, whether it be financial, otherwise ownership yeah. situations in, in a couple of major markets in Vancouver, obviously in Montreal. And I, I'd like to see us make this a true national game from ghost to ghost, but really just seeing all these teams play against each other, it's, it's a requirement at this point. Yeah, the 10th team would be. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, then, you know, we're in a perfect situation. <laughs> 18 games, everyone's playing each other home and home. Yes. And not, you know, made the best team win. Speaking of what made the best team win, certainly the Bombers are a significant favorite, but I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on this matchup. Uh, I don't think a lot of people thought that the Montreal, we'd be talking about the Montreal Alouettes this week, and yeah. yet here they are. They did not have any success against the Bombers this year. Offensively, they mm-hmm. put up six points in two games. Um, how can the Montreal Alouettes win this football game? Defense and special teams. They have they have no choice but to have their defense and special teams lead the way for them. And it's not that they can't score more than you know three points per game against Winnipeg's defense. I think you're going to see Cody Fajardo make a couple of throws that are beyond his, I don't want to call them limitations, but I think you'll see him make a couple of big-time throws. Whether or not they're completed, I don't know, but he knows he's got to push a little bit. The great balancing act in my mind for Cody in terms of like sports psychology in this is that he has to stretch the field, be daring, but not throw the bad pick. And that's, I think, a real challenge because Jason Moss knows his offense is not going to be able to win the Grey Cup. His team's not going to win the Grey Cup if he's getting three points out of his offense. Like, you're not going to end up getting four interceptions off Zach Kalaros. You're not going to end up having your defense get two pick sixes in this game. If that happens, Montreal has a real chance to win if that happens. I just don't think that Zach's going to allow that to happen. Like, Zach is going to be smarter than Chad was. Straight up. That's what it is. Like, Zach is a more experienced quarterback. He knows how to manage the game better. He understands his offense better than I think Chad did because it's for Chad's first year. It's a fourth straight Grey Cup start for Zach. So if Montreal is going to have success, they better get a return touchdown and they better either get a score or some real good field position off a turnover. Outside of that... I just think Zach is going to control the game from start to finish. And, man, if Brady starts going downhill and they're controlling time of possession and they're getting solid chunks on the running game on first down, I think that's going to be the tail of the tape in this one is that Winnipeg should control it, really with their backfield being the dominating force. And then it becomes a question for me of, okay, let's say Winnipeg goes ahead and and rolls and wins by 15 because Zach controls the ball, Brady gets great chunks on first down. What do you value more? It's almost like the MOP conversation. Ah. Who, who's the Grey Cup MVP? Is it Brady or is it Zach? If you get to that point, that's, that's a question, obviously, for Sunday night more than right now. But I do see that being an interesting one by the end of the game. The, uh, um, you know, Zach didn't have to have a big game against BC. I mean, they started off running the football. Yeah. The defense took over after that. Uh, do you anticipate a similar approach in the first quarter by the Bombers trying to really establish the run? Or yeah. might they uh, do things a little differently knowing that they have that um, to win the game or to squeeze a team yeah. once they get a lead. So this is, I'll, I'll give you a quick story, okay? I was, uh, to answer this question, it's a, a, a short of a roundabout answer on it, but I was on a recruiting trip to Wilfrid Laurier when I was coming out of high school. They had a running back named Mike Montoya, big muscled up guy, could have played fullback. I think he actually set the record for bench press at the CFL combat. He was a monster. <laughs> he was a bouncer at Vault Nightclub in Kitchener, okay? So I'm on my recruiting trip. And I go out, we have fun, we come home, and then Mike Montoya walks through the door and lays down $300 in cash on the table in front of me and says, I'll bet you 30 to 1 odds I can beat you in a game of Madden right now. He said, you got $10 on you? I said, 
yeah. And I'm a high school kid. I'm like, oh, three hundred dollars? You kidding? Yeah. He's like, thirty to one odds. I will beat you at Madden. I'm like, I play Madden enough. I'm like, I'll, I'll take those odds. So I sit down. This guy played as the New Orleans Saints of Deuce McAllister and Reggie Bush. And I swear, every single time that I loaded the box and decided to blitz and come after him, he went play action through a touchdown. Every single time that I sat back and said, I don't want to get beaten, I'll play zone, he would rip off a 25-yard run with either of their backs. Fullback dive, outside zone, inside zone, talk, didn't matter. It was like he knew everything I was thinking and played off of it perfectly. I got beat by about 70 by Mike Montoya that night, and he took my $10. He wasn't kidding. He, just took, he took my $10 from the high school kid. But the reason I bring this up is, to me, that's the Bombers, is that they, they know exactly tendency, alignment. Zach gets them into the right play. And every time you come after him and say, we're going to load the box and take away Brady, Zach's like, cool, watch this. Every time you sit back and say, we're going to take away Dalton Show and Rasheed Bailey over the top, we're going to get rid of this and that, and then Brady just gets going with that offensive line and beats the hell out of you. The game I called Canada Day long weekend, Saturday night in Montreal with the Bombers coming in, the first half was back and forth and kind of uncharacteristic by Winnipeg a little bit. And then you got to a point in the second half where Winnipeg had a slight lead and they just said, we're just going to beat the hell out of you with our offensive line at this point. And it was so controlling and it was quintessential bombers in this era of Winnipeg CFL football. They just decided to impose their will and they took advantage. So I think we will see them start with Brady the same way that they did, which is we're going to set the tone in this football game and prove to you we can do whatever we want with the running game. And then as soon as Noel Thorpe says, that's enough of that, I'm going to come after you, Zach's going to go, oh, yeah? (laughs) Well, I see you coming after me. I've watched enough film. I recognize the rotations. I see the run blitz is coming. And now I've got a double move on a corner post, and we're on a 40-yard touchdown pass. So it's so hard to beat the Bombers' offense because they are Mike Montoya laying down $300 on the table. They always know what to do, and it's so infuriating for defenses. Marshall Ferguson is with us uh, here in Hamilton as we get ready for Sunday. Busy weekend for you uh, and our pal Dustin. Yes. And you and Dusty holding it down for, what, four hours tomorrow on TSN <laughs> between 1 and 5 on Grey yeah. Cup Saturday. And then the radio call um, along with Dustin. Yeah. You guys together uh, – Busy weekend for you. Apparently, Dustin and I are the only employees at TSN anymore uh, because we're, we're the only ones that are doing it. No. not even going to touch that. Not even going to touch that. Uh, the, we are the ones who have been uh, tasked, thankfully, and we appreciate it with the, the Grey Cup Saturday show, which uh, honestly, I've, I've loved watching Dustin do play-by-play, but we don't get a chance to work together much because he's covering different games than I am. So I end up watching the way that he has progressed and what he does and the way I progress what I do. And then they just kind of smashed us together on the biggest weekend of the year and we're looking forward to finding out what it looks and sounds like. I do know there's going to just be a ton of football discussion. We're going to have a lot of laughs. Uh, you know, I'm going to poke fun at him for some of his, what is happening? Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure he'll make fun of me for being the rain delay king of the CFL throughout the season. So uh, it'll, it'll be a good time. We have a great production staff and uh, we get to play with all the toys that we have at our disposal here for TSN throughout the week. And then, yeah, Great Cup Sunday I'm in the analyst role, which is a, is a huge blessing. I've never really done that much of it, especially on a stage this big and to have this many people listening across the country. So uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge, and uh, we'll all find out together what that sounds like with Dustin and I calling a game. <laughs> Cannot wait. You can uh, obviously um, see Joe B all day yeah. long, pre, post, DT and the gang here, and then Dusty and Marsh will have the call when uh, things kick off. Well, the Grey Cup rings the ultimate prize in Canadian football. You have, my friend, the <laughs> ultimate prize 
in the world of marbles. Great win. Great to see you. Yes. And uh, have a great call this weekend. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. All right. Great stuff with Marsh. Congratulations again on Marsh's big marbles win. And for those of you that dream of one of those exclusive WST hoodies, guess what? Marbles registration is open. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. We will drop them in uh, just a few minutes, but uh, it's Friday. I know we've been hitting the Grey Cup. We've been hitting the Jets. Huge news in the National Football League. And uh, maybe we have to check in on our old pal PL in L.A. And you know who we'll do that with is the one and only Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, who joins us now. Hacksaw, what's up? Uh, greetings from Hamilton, Ontario on the 110th Grey Cup. How are you? Hell of a lot better than Toronto Argonauts, I'll tell you that. How are you, Hustler? <laughs> I'm great. We're having a heck of a great time. People fired up to see our Bombers go out and hopefully bring back another championship to Winnipeg. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we were just talking off air. We were all expecting that this would be Caleros and Kelly and the Argos and the Bombers in a Great Cup rematch. And, ooh, it did not go uh, Chad Kelly's way last week. Uh, he got his big MOP award. Last night, but um, the Bombers looking for the big prize uh, prize tonight. Uh, but quickly, NFL, I, I went out last night and watched that game. Uh, first half was a great AFC North back back and forth. Um, and then not only was the game pretty much done, but so was the Bengals season with the injury to Joe Burrow and uh, terrible news for Cincinnati. He is yeah, out it really, for the season. It really now. is. And, you know, it looks like, and they're not talking and revealing a great deal of information about what happened. Andrew, but it looked like he had two separate injuries. It looked like he injured the wrist, and then he injured the thumb on a big pass. I thought I saw him hit his throwing hand uh, on a defensive lineman's hand off the top, and that's where I think he injured the thumb. The wrist injury might have come earlier when he fell on it, and they're investigating whether this was a lingering injury that might have happened a couple of weeks ago. End of the day, this is really damaging. This destroys Cincinnati's season because they historically have never employed a big-name backup quarterback who can come off the bench and bail you out. Jake Browning's just a guy, you know, a former University of Washington quarterback who's kind of been on somebody's developmental squad the whole course of his career, and now he has to be the guy. So Cincinnati's in a world of hurt, and it's too bad because the Bengals over the last three, four weeks, once Joe Burrow recovered from the calf injury, they were hitting on all cylinders, and they look really dangerous. And now, bingo, they lose this guy. And it was painful to watch. He's such a competitive guy. And for just to see him go down on his knees with the thumb injury, <clears throat> go to the tent, then come back and try to throw on the sidelines and buckle again, oh, the, the pain must have been unbelievable. So the poor guy, he's had, I think this is his third major injury in Cincinnati, and he's taken a lot of hits, a lot of sacks, and obviously now he's gotten hurt again and, Season over for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, they're the uh, not the only AFC North team that lost their uh, starting quarterback for the year. The Cleveland Browns are going to be without Deshaun Watson until the end of the season. They were 6-3. and three, Huge game against the Steelers this weekend. Uh, we're going to see uh, DTR get the start, Thompson Robinson. But am I hearing that Joe Flacco was working out for the Browns, Lee? I mean, uh, is the Browns season over in your mind like the Bengals is? Well, in terms of there's a whole bunch of layers here to respond to the Cleveland storyline. Uh, Joe Flacco has been going through private workouts the last two to three weeks. And he's got a lot of miles on him, but he is a trustworthy guy. He, he's a smart guy. He can understand playbooks. You know, he'd be a guy that'll throw short passes and hand the ball off, et cetera. 
but he's not obviously Deshaun Watson, and he's got a lot of miles on him. So that's that's one item that maybe they sign him, but it takes time. A guy's not going to come in the front door, understand the playbook, and be able to go out and execute. So I think going with the younger quarterback, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, is probably the right way to go. I was surprised that they sat the other quarterback down. Uh, you know, P.J. had done a really good job coming off the bench, but when you delve deeper into his statistics, he had only one touchdown, he had five interceptions, he had a couple of fumbles, and even though he was making plays down the field, he was taking sacks and turning the football over at an alarming rate, so that's why they went back to DTR. As long as they got that defense on the field, they're going to hang in games. Miles Garrett's having a record-setting career, the pass rush, and Jim Schwartz has done such a magnificent job with that defensive side of the football but, boy, you think, what, half a season to go? Can they survive with no Nick Chubb, who's been gone with the knee surgery, and now you lose Deshaun Watson? And, boy, how about this? Uh, Deshaun Watson has made $31 million and played nine games in Cleveland. Because, remember, he was suspended for a large chunk last year. He's had two different injuries this season, this devastating shoulder injury, and prior to that, the concussion they surely have not gotten their, their money worth out of him, and they still owe him an absolute ton of money. And he's n- never played back to the way he played with the Houston Texans. So, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland's in big trouble. Defense will let them hang in games, but Baltimore sure looks like it's running away with the AFC North. Well, in a lot of ways, this has had to be the year for Cleveland because the way they restructured his contract, he was on the books for 19 mil this year. He's guaranteed and on the cap for 60 three million dollars the next three seasons and um that in a cap world is going to mean that they got to cut corners elsewhere and probably at the expense of that uh, that incredible defense uh the chargers are in green bay this weekend uh lots of unrest around brandon staley what's uh, what's the latest there lee all you need to do is look at the stat scoreboard does not lie uh, as bill belichick would say They are 32nd in the NFL on defense, 32nd, 393 yards per game. Tony Romo on CBS made quite quite a statement last Sunday when the Chargers are in the midst of losing to the Detroit Lions. Tony Romo says, how in the world can Justin Herbert, this bright young quarterback who makes plays down the field, does not turn the football over, is a firebrand of a leader, how can Justin Herbert be a 500 quarterback? Well, he plays for the Chargers and he plays for Brandon Staley. And Brandon Staley's defense has just been deplorable. You know, the the rumblings out here on the West Coast are that this guy is walking down a landmine road and it's going to blow up on him and that he might not survive at the end of the season. That's kind of radical to fire a guy after three years, but they just haven't won anything in the three years that Justin Herbert's been playing under Brandon Staley. Their defense their defense is just hideous in terms of chunk plays, and they keep changing players. And there's some unrest in that locker room. There's an anonymous quote that kind of filtered out on Wednesday of this week. Yeah, we go back into the film room every Monday, and we fix what was wrong, but nothing ever gets fixed. Some player mentioned that, and I don't know who that player was, whether it was Joey Bosa or maybe it was one of the linebackers or maybe it was Duran James, but this thing has not worked out well. they got to go to Green Bay. They should beat Green Bay. The reality is, though, the Chargers are 0-4 against good teams this season. And under Brandon Staley, they got 13 losses by three points or less in his three-plus years as head coach. So, boy, there's a, there's some unrest really brewing there. And they still on their schedule, once they come out of Lambeau Field on Sunday night, 
They still got to play Buffalo. They still got to play Baltimore. They have to go to Las Vegas, which suddenly is playing better. They're going to another game with Denver, and Denver's playing better, and they still got to meet Patrick Mahomes. I don't know how they're going to win any of those games with this type of defense, which means maybe another non-playoff season. So, yeah, they got big problems there. Probably a new head coach next year uh, as well, I would imagine. Lee, a um, couple huge primetime games. We've got a week, a month ago, we might have thought this game would be flexed. Now it's two of the hottest teams in the league, the Minnesota Vikings and the Denver Broncos, and then the main event, Super Bowl rematch, Chiefs-Eagles on Monday Night Football. Let's uh, get your thoughts on both of those primetime matchups. Practice. Who needs practice? Ask Josh Dobbs in Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's been mystical what he's been able to do under Kevin O'Connell in two short weeks with very limited practice, et cetera. And by the way, they're doing this not only without Kirk Cousins, they're doing it without Justin Jefferson. And they're doing it with kind of a middling running game because they got rid of Dalvin Cook. And yet, well, they've won five in a row. It's pretty doggone impressive. Uh, and Denver, I mean, they've made radical improvement. Would you please explain to me how Denver could give up 70 points to Miami and 700-plus yards early in the season and in the last three weeks beat Buffalo and beat Kansas City? Could you explain that to me? Uh, their defense is playing really hard for Sean Payton. Russell Wilson is not turning the football over. Uh, his quarterback rating is like 101, uh, and he's through big, big-time touchdown passes, very few interceptions. He's not winning a ton of games, but he's not screwing it up. When last year you looked at him and you thought his career is over, Father Time has caught up and kept, you know, extracting all the tolls on him on the highway. But uh, Russell Wilson's played pretty well in Sean Payton's offense. So, it, yeah, this will be a fun game, Josh Jobs versus Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Uh, the other game is that's just going to be phenomenal. And there's, there's no doubt that there's just enormous firepower on both sides. Uh, there's no doubt that Philadelphia's got a Super Bowl defense. They lead the world. They got 30 quarterback sacks. They make it impossible on you on third down. But, you know, they're playing Patrick Mahomes. And what's lost in all the conversation about Kansas City, Hustler, is their defense. They're giving up only 288 yards per game under Steve Spagnola. They're playing really good football, defensive side of the football, because they got so many athletes that have kind of grown into the job in the last two calendar years. So that that's going to be a matchup and a half. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is like Houdini. He just keeps making plays. Kansas City's not Kansas City yet. They do have Travis Kelsey. They're not running the ball as well as I thought they would. And the young guys, sometimes they're decent on some Sundays. Other times they totally drop the ball and disappear. So I think Philadelphia can probably win this game. But uh, it's, I'll tell you, the number of really good teams in a league has kind of started to get narrowed down because of upsets and injuries and things of that nature. You know, you know, three weeks ago, we were talking about Buffalo being elite, and instead we're talking about Buffalo firing on its offensive coordinator, and <laughs> the world is crashing in on Josh Allen and their defense isn't playing any football at all. And that was a team we all thought that, hey, maybe it's their time to go to the Super Bowl. They might not even make the playoffs. Hey, I got to give a quick shout out to Ross Ransby in chat. Roscoe, thanks for the gifted 10 memberships for other WSTers. Really appreciate it. Now, uh, shout out to T. Conopoli as well with that nice super chat. Uh, Lee, I have to quickly ask you this. I mean, you're all over the uh, the Southern California sports scene. Is our old pal Pierre Luc Dubois getting some heat for uh, his start through 15 games with the Kings? He started like a house ablaze, you know, and I thought to myself, I think you and I might have mentioned this maybe two and a half, three weeks ago. I said, boy, this guy's a fierce power forward. He kind of takes over control of the game, and he scored a flurry of goals and had assists at the start. He's got like one goal in the last 10 games. And people are saying, where is he? What's he done? Why is he acting this way? And 
NHL guys that I network with say that's the same guy that was in Winnipeg that he'd show these flashes that he could be a superstar and then he'd be MIA and he evidently pulled the same stunts in Columbus. So he's getting paid a lot of money. That's a really good team. I mean, the Kings have got snipers everywhere, but I don't understand the rationale of why he doesn't come to the rink and do it on a night-in, night-out basis because when you see his physical dominance at center ice and how power forward like he can be, why does that not happen every game he plays? But that's where we are right now. And, yeah, he's starting to catch a little flack because of it. Uh, Hacksaw, of course, everyone knows. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. The best 15 minutes, sometimes more of your day. The YouTube channel, the Instagram, cranking out so much content. But a very special treat for old school hockey fans. Uh, tell us about this uh, project you're working on involving Slapshot, the legendary hockey flick. Well, me and my co-host and my producer are just brainstorming some different ideas because we're trying to put together some packages of stuff for the holidays. And we came up with this idea of movies. And he's a hockey fan. I'm a hockey fan. We get a lot of response on our podcast to hockey, which is really odd because I'm in a non-NHL city, also a non-NFL city now in San Diego. And I came up with this idea of doing doing something on Slapshot, the movie. And the reason was, is I was in the minor leagues there. I was in Slapshot, not as an actor, but I lived through four years with minor league hockey with the Johnstown Jets and my Mohawk Valley Comets, etc. So all the stories, we're going to tell a whole bunch of stories. We're actually doing the podcast today, and then we're going to release it probably in a, a week or so. So we're looking forward to that. And when we get it, we'll send you the link, and then you can you can send it, because not everybody agrees with everything you say every day. Maybe this will give them a change of pace to see somebody talking hockey. But we got a whole bunch of fascinating things that were planned. And the unique thing is, I was there. I experienced all that stuff with the Johnstown Jets, a.k.a. Charleston Chiefs, and them coming into the stands and fighting the fans in our building in, in Utica, New York. So it'll be fun once we get it all packaged together. I cannot wait for it and cannot wait for our next chat. Enjoy what should be a great week of football. And if you get a chance, check out that great cup. Bombers, making it three of four. Book it. Hey, good to talk to you, Hustle. Have a great sports weekend. And I know you when you get off the year. Take a shot for me. <laughs> Thanks, Hacksaw. There it is, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton again. YouTube channel, Instagram, and, of course, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Make sure you go and check it out. Well, it has been quite the uh, quite the show. We're uh, already past three o'clock. We got to get to marbles, but let me quickly get to the cool bet lines. And listen, we'll focus in on the Grey Cup. Um, but if you want more talking about everything coming up this weekend, including the National Football League slate and our picks, get on over to uh, Edmonton Sports Talk and check out today's lock shop because we uh, hit up. The uh, WST, which exclusive, which I'll let you know about in a minute, as well as did a lock shop partner parlay running with the uh, the Steelers, the Jags, and the Rams. Um, that one is up right now in the Cool Bet exclusives, and I put together a WST. First, we'll tell you that the line actually dropped earlier today from eight and a half to eight, uh, which surprised me somewhat. Um, I still think the Bombers are a good bet at that number, um, but eight is the number right now. Now, we put together a Winnipeg Sports Talk exclusive. So if you go to CoolBet and click on the exclusives, you'll see the WST option. Killed it on those for those last couple Jets games. We got a big one for Sunday. Here it is. Bombers by Bombers minus seven and a half. So the Bombers to win by eight or more. Montreal team total 
19 or less, so under 19 and a half, and let Willie J and Jackson Jeffcoat eat bombers over three and a half sacks. So four more sacks for Winnipeg, Montreal under 19 and a half points, and the bombers to cover the seven a seven and a half point spread. It's up right now in the Coolbit exclusives under the WST parlay at plus three seventy five. Uh, of course, tons of props. Brady Oliveira's rushing total is 90 and a half. Um, the total for Nick Dembski on receptions is four and a half. Kenny Lawler, five and a half. And there's a really interesting head-to-head prop bet for rushing yards for Brady Oliveira versus William Stanback. And I believe Brady is uh, 39 and a half yards favored against Stanback. So he'd have to beat him by 40 or more to uh, catch the bets. All there. Grey Cup, NFL, National Hockey League for tonight and the rest of the weekend. It's all there at CoolBet.com. If you haven't played a cool bet before and you want to get in on it or maybe just lay a bet on the Bombers, use the promo code WST. When you make your first deposit, it'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. And uh, don't forget to join us Monday to Friday in the lock shop at noon before Winnipeg Sports Talk over at the Edmonton Sports Talk channel. Uh, Remo, what a whirlwind of a show today. Yeah, it's been fun. We had Ted on some great insight, great conversation on the CFL. Uh, Marshall Ferguson, great to finally meet him in person. Ken on the Jets. Darren as well on the Grey Cup. And how could we not have uh, Hacks on here on a Friday? And uh, now the marble race, which is open. Especially with that tidbit about PLD. (laughs) Yeah, he had him on. He's like, "Uh, PLD's getting some heat over here uh, in L.A. And we were talking about earlier this week and... I, yeah, I mean, I saw a comment from Nicole J. It was like, yeah, that article could have been written last year by someone from Winnipeg. And you, know, you thought if this guy can put it together for a full 82 games, he could probably be a 70-point guy. But, you know, he has stretches where he takes over a game, like you saw in game one against Vegas. And then he has stretches where, yeah, he was one goal in 10 games. So, you know, might be more like a 50, 60-point uh, guy who's, you know, what a second, third-line center than that top line center that you know he's probably dreamed of being his entire life all right just before we get to marbles um why not question of the day for not autocorp but waverly mcgillivray guess what it is prediction the time folks uh i was put to uh, this was put to me earlier this week and i think i'm going to stay with my prediction 31 winnipeg 13 montreal which would be 44, would be a slight under on the total of 47 and a half. But let us know in chat right now with your prediction by score for the Grey Cup for our Why Not question of the day. And for those of you that nail it, it'll live on YouTube forever. You can go back, see, uh, two days before the game. I nailed it by putting it in the chat. So uh, last call for marbles, exclamation mark marbles. And while you're at it, give us your Grey Cup predictions in the chat, I'm at 31-13 for Winnipeg, and even that I think might be a little too conservative. What about you? Oh, my God. I haven't even thought about it. Um, I'm going to go 28-12 to 12 for the Bombers. 28-12. How's that? Okay. Do you I'm like w- the uh, – here's another prop bet. Will there be a rouge? Even uh, Minus 115 uh, on either side. Yes. It's not I'm, a great cup without a Rouge. I'm going to go, think. yes. I lo- First of all, I love the Rouge. I think it was Milt Stiegel who was on the board saying he didn't like it. I'm a big Rouge 
guy. So uh, I, I like that. So, uh, yeah, I didn't even thought about a prediction. That was just uh, kind of off the top of my head. But uh, hoping for a Bombers victory just because I'll never forget the scene in our chat last year after the game, even the days after, like, no one came and tuned in. Like, we're like, okay, it's Wednesday after the Great Cup. Let's uh, continue breaking down what happened. And people in the chat are like, no, enough. We can't take it. We can't take it anymore. So just, you know, for business purposes, like, we can't have people not wanting to show up here about a loss. Oh, no doubt about that. All right, we've got, uh, obviously, hockey games tonight and Saturday. Looking forward to that. But um, And, of course, the big game on Sunday. But... Uh, Let's uh, let's get into it. We already presented Marshall sure. Ferguson with his championship marble race. So uh, let's get a little Tristan Rivers music oh. and then uh, get ready to fire up a marble race as we head into the weekend on WST. Oh, okay. Wait, let me just make sure that I have Tristan Rivers music here. We're on location. We are on location. We are on location. I'm sure that it is in here. You're going to have to sing it yourself then. Uh, it's Friday. Another like- week of work's gone by. Do we have a kiss version? We, we missed out on the kiss oh, show. I know. Earlier. Lots of FOMO. Lots of FOMO this week. Couple games. I mean, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than Hammer for the Great Cup and seeing the Bombers hopefully get the job done. But yes, we did miss the kiss show. And uh, two great games. Uh, man, it'll be great to see Zach Benson get an opportunity to play here in the peg where he played for the Winnipeg Ice the last few years. And obviously, Matt Savoy has been returned to, uh, what are they called now, the Wenatchee Wild? <laughs> yeah, that's what they are. Yeah, he got the return. So, so uh, tough for Matt Savoy, but Zach Benson's still hanging there, although, as Ken mentioned, not quite at the uh, at the 10-game mark. So uh, do we have a yeah. uh, do we have a theme? Could you? Yeah, I have it. Could you imagine if, though, they didn't have it and me, you just did karaoke, and we just put up the words and they gave us an <laughs> instrumental and we just sang it, karaoke version? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe that's what we'll do. When we get to 20,000 subs, we'll uh, we'll perform that ourselves. A duet, Huss and Remus, with the Marble Song, yeah. as written by Tristan Rivers Music. Anyways, I'll hit, hit the music. Oh, hold on one sec. Uh, that, that was a short version. We want the long version. Live from the Hammer, two days from kickoff. A little Friday marbles race to get the good vibes going into the weekend. What a sports weekend we've got. Jets at home tonight against Buffalo. Jets at home tomorrow against Arizona. And then all eyes on Tim Horton's field as the Bombers look to make it three Grey Cups in the last four seasons. Uh, where are we at here? How many uh, How many entries do we have today, Reem? Hold on, I'm responding to stuff in the chat. Uh, we have 235. 235, that's a pretty sizable number there. Excellent, excellent. <clears throat> Thanks to everyone that jumped in. 
And again, uh, shout out to uh, the gang, especially all of the uh, Mobros, the uh, guys that are helping us out with uh, with with Movember. Um, the stashes are looking great. And um, hey, if you're just popping in, by the way, uh, maybe you joined us a little later on. Um, don't forget, you can go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. Just enter your name to qualify for a marble for a special marble race on Thursday, November 30th, which actually I can't wait for. That's the Oilers-Jets game. Our next night for the WST Jets pack. We'll see all of you folks there. Hopefully have a much better result than we did on the uh, the first game when we were out. Um, and holy smokes, we are just about at our original goal of $2,000. So uh, let's keep that going for uh, helping out WST raise money for uh, for men's health. Um Eric, let me just do a couple uh, shout-outs here, Hus, for this Movember. Yeah. Uh, I do have the pit, some Mo updates that we have to get to. So. Love it. So that's pretty good. Hold on. Let me, uh, let me figure out what I'm doing over here. Uh, so here. I'll, one sec. Uh, sorry about that. This Got- is actually fun to actually be here beside Remus for a show as opposed to in another room normally, getting a chance to see all of the magic happen. As we uh, as we go, you can see this beautiful room that we have here at the. Uh, I do have to sincerely thank the folks here at the Courtyard Marriott in Hamilton. They have been so helpful and accommodating. We uh, we didn't really make any plans as to where we were going to do the show. We had so much going on so quickly, uh, um, but we got this great room for the last couple of days. So uh, it has worked out really really well. If you're ever in the Hamilton area, pop by the uh, the Courtyard. Um, and they've got a Shoeless Joe's right across the street, keg right down the spot, a little further from downtown, but we'll be spending lots of time downtown over the course of the uh, course of the next couple of days. Um, all right, you got these picks? Yeah, uh, I got the picks. Yeah, so here's our here's all our Mo Bros, and we did get some donations today. Has uh, Jet Oil Tom uh, donated during the show as well? Thank you, Jet Oil Tom. And uh, we actually had some super chats before I get to the mustache. We've got to mention these. Ross Ransby has gave 10 gifted memberships. Roscoe, I did mention that. That we was did. great to see you, uh, T- Roscoe. That's good vibes for your head-to-head marbles bet with Sean today, Ross. And uh, Tico and Apolly with two super chats and says <laughs> two, that uh, he his was 33-6 uh, for his. Oh, he says, put this donation to Ray and his duster. Ray's looking good. It's and coming in. So uh, okay, T. Conapoli, I'll I'll make sure to do that for for him. But uh, here, speaking of the dusters, here they are. Uh, it's the bomber edition of November. So here's uh, David Asplund. His is coming in nicely. Out of boy, Dave. Love the toque. He's Love got, the toque. Yeah, he's got the bomber toque looking strong. Uh, this is Mikey. Uh, he's got his bomber hat and jersey coming in pretty thick, straight ahead. Mike G looking good. That's a nice. That's your you're halfway to a Selleck there, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's only been like two, uh, a little over two weeks here. And here's Ray. He's got the bomber foam finger. Yeah, Ray and jersey. There's Ray. Shout out to Ray, uh, David, and Mikey for sending those in. So uh, I put the. It's a pin comment link in the description at the top of WinnipegSportsTalk.com uh, to donate to our Movember our Movember page. So it's pretty cool stuff there. You got it. Thanks again to everyone that's donated and all the guys that are helping us make things happen right now. <clears throat> all right. We do. We need to add a marble for Brady Oliveira though. Okay. Who was robbed of the MOP award, but you know what? It doesn't matter as much as fans, probably more choke than anybody 
in that bomber dressing room right now because, as Brady said, after receiving the award for Most Outstanding Canadian, the job's not done. 60 more minutes of football, and uh, oh, it's, so. and, it's uh, <laughs> and it's going down on Sunday afternoon. Uh, one more victory for the Blue Bombers, one more ring, and uh, one more big party in the peg for this season if the Bombers can get the job done tomorrow. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I'm just firing up this uh, race, this thing here. But yeah, Brady Oliveira, uh, most valuable, or sorry, most outstanding Canadian. Uh, and hopefully, uh, what? Did he, was he uh, the first Grey Cup? Was he was? Did he get a ring for that first one, 2019? Yeah, he would have. He would have gotten a ring, but he didn't play. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was injured, right? He had yeah. the leg injury. So I guess it would be his third Grey Cup uh, win here. So. Indeed. Indeed. Let me load this up. So I put in Brady. Uh, oh, and one other thing. One other yeah. thing I'll mention. Just you can get that ready. If you missed yesterday's show, we had an awesome interview with the Aussie punter of the Blue Bombers, Jamison Sheehan. He was so much fun to talk to. We got great, great feedback from that. And I believe did you you posted that separately? Yeah, it's separately on our YouTube. So channel. if you want to look at feature interviews or videos, it's there on the YouTube channel. Uh, and I know T. Kota Paul was asking, and many of you were asking, tomorrow we will be dropping another episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Probably not a full two hours, probably about an hour or so. Uh, we've got an interview with Willie Jefferson for you. We've got a hookup with Nick Dembski as well. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, manage to uh, wrangle up Jeff Hamilton for his thoughts on the big game, um, and uh, who knows what else. So, I think probably in the neighborhood of around one o'clock Winnipeg time. Yeah, um, is sort of when we're shooting to go live. Um, but again, turn your notifications on on the YouTube. It'll let you know when we're live, and you can jump in. And again, if you're busy on a Saturday afternoon, have plenty of time to check it out at some point before kickoff on Sunday evening for the 110th Grey Cup. All right. Uh, oh, we're doing the Temple of Steve today. We're here on location. I thought it would be good to do a classic one. Temple of Steve is a good one, right? Yeah, what, yeah. What's Temple the other of Steve. One? Temple of Steve. We uh, we always love it. It's not not snowy enough to do today to do the slippery slope. So uh, that's kind of what I thought. So here we go, folks. Uh, we have two hundred and thirty six marbles in. Um, whoever wins, we've got. Well, you saw Marshall Ferguson get that beautiful Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. We'll have one for. Whoever is our big winner today, may the best marble win and may the best team win on Sunday. And I think you know who I'm referring to. Uh, all right, Remote, let's drop the marbles and uh, get this going on a Friday afternoon live from the Grey Cup in Hamilton. Here we go. All right, this is so much better being able to see things right in front of the original screen. Usually it's a little more... Uh, pixelated for me not today peg city dude just taking the long way in and around although you never know maybe this angle is actually going to help him doesn't look like it though boba jet jason jet real deal neil oh and there's ray as well i think that's ray from the november team wouldn't that be awesome lots of good karma if uh if ray were able to win for all of his help with the uh, with the november team uh, Temple of Steve, though, a great one. Here here comes, oh, geez. Brady Oliveira <laughs> breaks through the line. He's, oh, this would be amazing. 
This would be amazing. Uh, Brady, the way he handled the way he handled that, uh, it was literally like he had Stanley Bryant and the rest of the gang. Oh, a little bit of a tough, you know, he got taken out yeah. there by that one. That was a very difficult, difficult uh, little occurrence there with the, uh, that was like the defensive line for Montreal. Hopefully not tomorrow, though. Uh, Holy Smoly is uh, looking pretty darn good right now. Holy Smoly first, TV guy, Donnie Boy, Derek Schmidt, another one of our Movember teammates right in the mix. TB guy gets through that one. All right, we're coming down. Alan Winters has jumped into front, into the front. Uh, acid wash game. Oh, yes, Temple of Steve. This one's not over until you get it into the thing. Which way will they go? Where is the drop going to be? It's anyone's race right now. We've got the... Okay, who's it going to be? Go down. Oh, Miss Jones just missed it. And David Zirk comes through. Craig Smith, Chris Farun, FRNDC, TB Guy 13. How about Spency with the top 10 performance today? Joe DeHarnay, John Pauls, Jeremy Nickerson, and Swervin Mervin. Yeah, the end of the Temple of Steve is actually the most legendary, probably, of, of any of the races. And it ain't over until it's over. Well, now it's over for David Zirk, who is our winner. David, obviously, we're away, but we can hook up with you at some point next week. Send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Let us know what size of hoodie you are as well. And uh, we'll be in touch when we get back to the peg. You can pop by and pick that up. Our buddy Marshall Caron, Mike, Timmy Tushu, and Val George taking their sweet time. And Marshall gets in right at the end. But, yeah, there we go. David Zirk. Big week for David Zirk. He was one of the qualifiers. He's been big in marbles, and he already has a marble for the November 30th race for that beautiful autographed Trevor Linden jersey and the Prairie Natural Supplement Package from our friends over at Vita, Heart, uh, Vita Health. Uh, we'll just run down for everyone that, you know, you know, maybe has a side bet against a friend about where they're going to finish. Hey, Gitch, what's going on? Gitch is there at uh, 29th. Will Sutton, great news for the Gold Eyes. I cannot wait for that new scoreboard and the upcoming season. Dino Apostolopoulos in for the top 50. Julian Labossier, another one of our Movember teammates. There's Bridget, Bridget Ishaboy Bruce. Looking good. Lori Love and Life. SK had a nice run. Uh, Mike Wynn. Hold it down in 316 for me this weekend, Mike. Hootman, Bob McCullough. Ross Ramsey. Ross did finish. And I think that'll probably be enough to take out Shorn. And then, of course, everybody else that did not finish the race gets the D. N F. Oh man, great show today. Looking forward to taking in some of the sights and sounds of a great cup tonight. Hopefully find a bar that can get this Jet Sabres game on for us here in Buffalo. We're not too far, or in Hamilton, I should say. We're not too far in Buffalo. I thought about maybe going to Buffalo tonight, Reem. How far is it? Oh, it's close. What's it's in close. Buffalo? The game's in Winnipeg, though. I know, I know. But, but imagine if it was and we went. Well, that would be unreal. Uh, unfortunately, it is in Winnipeg, but... I thought it would have been fun to maybe go to uh, go to a good hockey bar there in Buffalo and watch the game, cheering for uh, for the Jets. How far is it? I don't even know. Is it close? Oh yeah, it's close. It's like half an hour, like 
40 minutes. Really? What does it say? Uh, let me see. How long? Why is my default driving time? My default search engine is Yahoo on this. That's a mistake. The second one. MapQuest. What are these results? Just the second is driving time. It's right. It's literally the second option. It's giving me map. No, this is bullshit. So dude, you, dude, should, just change Google to time. It was literally the second option right there. No, no, no. <laughs> you type it in on Google. It just gives it to you. There. An hour 22 drive. That's what it says. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little bit longer. I guess Niagara, that's where the uh, the, the um, uh, words were, was last night. It's about an extra 30 or 40 minutes. I didn't bring my passport anyway, so that's no. not even an option. We're focused in on the Grey Cup. But we will be paying close attention to that game tonight. Illegal Curve, KNR, they'll have post-game coverage for you. Tomorrow, in and around 1 p.m. Winnipeg time, we'll do a special extra hour of WST interview with Willie Jefferson, interview with Nick Dembski, Jeff Hamilton, and uh, a few other things that we'll pack into it here from a different location at our hotel, but it will be from <laughs> Hamilton in the Grey Cup. There's a bridal, a bridal event here, so I don't think yeah. that... Our, uh, I don't think that our show would mix very well no. with a bunch of people trying on bridal dresses. So, uh, anyways, great show today. Man, we're almost at 3.30. We got to get these podcasts up. Folks, have a great weekend. Hopefully, we'll catch you tomorrow in chat. But if not, enjoy the hockey games. Hopefully, the Jets can get a couple nice wins. And uh, the game that we want the most this weekend, Sunday, right here in Hamilton, Tim Hortons Field, Bombers and Alouettes for the 110th Grey Cup. Uh as long as our flight is on time, we'll be back at our normal time on Monday, 1 p.m., back in Winnipeg. Fingers crossed on that. Uh, but first things first, hopefully we'll catch you tomorrow on a special extra Grey Cup edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Live from Hamilton. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Enjoy the hockey game tonight, the Grey Cup Sunday. Hopefully we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.